Can you hear me now? Uh, oh, you sound totally good. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, sometimes it, sometimes it wants to use that microphone, then sometimes it doesn't. It just depends on the. I don't know. I still don't have this thing perfected yet. <laughs> oh, I thought it was on my end, buddy. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I assure you, it's not. Oh, oh man! All right, let me, let me make sure my phone's on airplane mode because uh, you know, a very invariably, I I get ready to we finish up dinner, I get cleaned up, whatever. One of my landowners shows up because uh, I just got done getting the new Ranger today. So he shows up. Oh, like, nice. I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, I got to go here pretty soon. Like two other people call, text. I'm like, I, <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm I hear you four, hour, four hours and no one's been saying a word. And then all of a sudden, you know, now that now yeah. that I've got a time pressing matter, everybody and their brother's uncle wants me. I told my wife, please keep the dogs from barking if you can. <laughs> <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> How you been, man? Oh, I've been pretty good, Chris. I, I've been, as you know, probably just like you, running 10 different directions and yeah. wondering if I'm managing them all well yeah. enough. You know what I mean? Well, I, uh, I, I, know the, I know the answer on my end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the older we get, I, I just can't wait to get to the woods and kind of just have things settle down and life become a little more just one track and one dimensional, you know? You know, I, yeah, I hear that. And, and I, it, it's funny you say that because something just keeps running through my head and, and I never thought I'd be this person. So I remember, I mean, obviously you and I, back in the Primos days and talking with Will. And I remember where I was in my house, in the office, upstairs and talking with Will. And it was about this time of year. And I asked him, I said, man, are you getting excited for elk season? I said, where are you going? You know, you know, getting ready for hunting. He's like, no, I'm not hunting this year. And I went, Wow. What? Yes. Okay. So that was, that was my reaction. I was like, what? I'm like, what do you mean yeah. you're not hunting this? I mean, that, no, yes, you are. How, not how do you not hunt? And he said, Chris, he goes, you know, and I don't remember how he put it, but, but the thing that stuck to me, he goes, no, with everything that I've got to do, he goes, that's the one thing that I can give up. And I, wow. I and I, yeah, you want to talk about rock me. And I was like, there's just no way. And, I sit here now with all the habitat stuff that we do and, and all the wildlife plantings. And it, we're here we are growing through a brutal drought and we've got a, you know, more hunters coming in this fall than we've oh. ever had. And I look at it and for us, you know, getting the winter wheat in the ground for us is a, is a September deal. I mean, you get that in mid September yeah. and September's yeah. the month, man. And so I look at it, I'm like, the days of me taking the month of September off are, are long gone. And then quite yeah. honestly, and quite honestly, the I'm planning on two weeks, but I've been shut down now for the past month with no equipment. I mean, with this whole summer I've been behind because of my equipment issues, but I've been out. I haven't been able to do a thing in this past, this past month to where now I'm looking, I'm like, do I just go for a week and, and get yeah. back so I right. can get stuff done? It's like, it's, Man, it sucks, especially and here we are talking about elk stuff. I mean, I still love it. And I and I I still want to be back in that 30 day, just immersing myself <laughs> in the elk woods, right. whether it's me, whether I'm and I'm finding myself these days. I don't I don't even want to I, I, I find myself less excited about killing and more. Hey, in, I get that. Totally. You know, and it's like. 
if I've got the right client or, if, you know, if I'm going to go hunt with somebody that's the, the right person, man, no, it's fun. It's like yeah. fun. But yeah, I, I'm, I literally, if I drew a limited license for Colorado this year and, and they changed the structure on how you can turn your license in. But if, uh-huh. if I had, if I had not turned, if I had not drawn a limited license and I was looking at an over-the-counter license, I don't know if I would have bought a license. I might've just said, you know what? I'm going to go spend a, a, a week or 10 days in Rocky Mountain National Park. And then maybe I'll go spend, a, I'll just truck myself back down to Arizona and spend a week down in Arizona and just, just defrag, you know, just, just, <laughs> go, just go back and, and just record and video and just, just immerse myself in the game again. But I don't know. I'm, I, you know, every year I keep saying, well, I, you know, this year I'll, I'll get stuff you know, I'll get it all lined out to where I can, you know, take, yeah, well, you know how that goes. <laughs> the best laid plans, right? Right. Yeah, it's unreal to hear you say that you're, you're not, so you're not going to be in Arizona this year, Chris. I can't. That's crazy to me. Uh, it, wow. it, it sucks, man. I mean, it, it yeah. like, how I'm recording now and I haven't even done the introduction, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, you know, how, how are conditions, I don't even know if I want to know what the conditions are like down there, man. Cause I think I know. It's, it's, it's unreal. I mean, we need to send you three quarters of this rain. Um, I'll take, yeah, I'll, I'll take a quarter of it right now. So unbelievable. I mean, I knew I had heard the, that the prediction for the monsoon was supposed to be a really strong one and I couldn't have imagined how strong it was um, or Seriously. has been and still going on. Um, you know, there's areas this year I'm going to be in 23 North for the archery hunt. First time in a long time. Um, that unit basically from young up to the rim has picked up anywhere from 10 to 20 inches of monsoon rain. Holy (laughs) moly. When, when did it start? It started, I want to say in late June, it was, it was strangely early this year. And has just continued. That I mean, grandma, just, that that grandma grass has got to be twelve to eighteen inches yeah. freaking tall. Yeah, yeah. And and the the crazy thing was is when you, if you were in that unit or nine or anywhere else in the state early on in June, it was scary dry. I I thought we were looking at another twenty twenty type of year. You remember that year? I think you were in seven west. I was in nine. It was. Yeah a year for the the books on the, you know, on the, on the bad scale. Um, Yeah. This year, these elk have no excuse. There's no excuse for there not to be just an outstanding rep this year. Yeah. You need to carve out a little time and come down, buddy. (laughs) I don't want to waste time, but I might have to read. I (laughs) may, oh man, I knew that's crazy. And is, is it, yeah, seriously, that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm like, cause I, I can go fart around it on my personal hunt for a week and see how I do. And, and then if, I mean, I don't know, I might have to recent rethink some things because when it, that's the thing down there, when it's good, it's epic. Yeah. And the yeah. last time, and, and in 2019, was it 2019? Yeah. 2019 oh. was good. Yeah. I mean, and I remember, and, and I found more bulls and more success, uh, in the pines. And I mean, I mean, obviously it's tougher hunting up there, 
But I mean, it was off the hook. It was like what it used to be, you know, like the quote unquote used to be, you know? Yeah. Good old and days. Then, and, and then, yeah, seven, you know, 20, 20 and seven West. Well, and it didn't matter. It was 10, nine, seven West. I mean, it, it just didn't matter. Yeah, You name it. Yeah. Arizona. I don't think a lot of people can fathom and understand how Arizona is versus other states. I mean, when it's epically dry, they just pretty much don't rut. It, it's hard to imagine that if you come from a real mountainous state, you know, that is, is not as susceptible to drought as Arizona is, but you've seen it Chris firsthand right. and I've seen it too many times now, um, like 96, 2002, 2020, and then some other years mixed in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, they just flat don't bugle and let alone respond to calls. They're not, they're not going to respond to calls. When they're okay. And see, this, this, this is perfect. Okay. Let me do the intro because you just stumbled uh, into a perfect segue. <laughs> perfect segue. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, hey, everybody. Welcome to Row Hunting Resources Podcast. Uh, if you are not familiar with the voice on the other side of this, uh, obviously, you don't listen to Jay Scott Outdoors Podcast because this person is a good friend of both Jay and mine, Steve Chapel, Chapel Guide Service. Hello, my friend again. Um, you, uh, no, thanks. And we've been. Just trying to get, obviously, trying to mesh our schedules these past several weeks or month or whatever it's been. But I appreciate you being able to take the time tonight and, and sit and chat. Um, that's Ooh. the thing is, is um, to what you said, and, and let me take it another step further. And this is the one that always just floors me. I can understand if they don't bugle. I mean, heck, you've been in those situations, and, and I don't remember what it was, whether it was 2018 or whatever. I was standing on the fence line of nine and the park september right. september 29th or something like that it was a crisp cold morning just one of those perfect mornings where you're like oh my gosh this is a and there wasn't a cricket i mean you wow. nothing just the way yeah. the weather system was coming in the the you know high pressure or whatever it was just had everything shut down and it was subdued but then but then it'll come out of that you know and it'll bounce back but the thing that always amazes me is the number of elk that you have there. I can I can under okay fine they don't bugle all right no problem. Usually you can go find them a different way. Right. It's like they just they're <laughs> gone. It's, Ducked it. <laughs> it's like yeah like literally aliens came down whoop, you sucked them all right up <laughs> out of the landscape because I mean. People aren't getting hardly any pictures. I mean, everything's nocturnal. I mean, it, the water—you know—that year the water's drying up, so elk are just scattered all over the place trying to find water. And you think, well, geez, okay, all I need to do is I, all I need to do is just be in a good area, and I should stumble across something. Yeah, no. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Nope. I'm I'm so looking forward to this year as opposed to those kind of years. Oh my goodness. Uh, then I'm then I'm then I then I need to. I don't know. Yeah. You need now, to, Chris. Like, grab your calls. Yeah, point your point your truck to the south and come. Yeah, to- but again, as in true twenty twenty two form, I've got eighteen thousand dollar hole in my wallet right now, sitting on the back of my flatbed trailer because I had to go buy a new stinking machine just so I nice. could go run around. Yeah, I know. My neighbors, my landlord is like, he's coming over. He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, man, I wish I could be excited for it, man. I'm not. Yeah. I, the only reason why I bought it is because my other ones in the shop and they, I can't work. I'm shut down. I've got no play and they have no idea what's wrong with it. So I don't know if it's going to be a week. It's going to be a month. I, I have no, I have no choice now. Just go write a check, 
and yeah. just so I can literally, I'm, it's loaded up now, crackle in the morning. I'm hitting the road. Dude. I've got clients that have been waiting on me and it's like, I got no choice. So I just I, don't I mean with diesel prices, the way they are, you know, now that I live in Northwest Kansas, it's a, well, I mean, hell it was, it was a 12, it's a 17 hour. It's, it's almost a 17 oh. hour haul. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, pulling the trailer and everything else, it, that, that's a, that's a chunk. And you know, I mean, nine isn't a small unit. So, I mean, it's not like, oh, you, yeah. it's not like you have to run around the entire unit, but come on now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's elk everywhere. I'm, uh, you're like me, probably. I don't like to go back to the same spot over and over. I, I may be 20, 25 miles from where I was the day right. before. Yeah. Right. Right. So I want to, I want to call the fresh elk. I, I want to call the elk that have, haven't correct. heard my junk, so to speak. Correct. Yeah. Now, and, and it, so is there going to be, are there, there should be no game cameras on the landscape, right? Right. Right. Yeah. I hung none this year. Um, you know, I think if you look at the wording of that law, if you were to, you know, talk to a game warden and hang the camera out in July, you're, I, in my opinion, you're not using it for aid in the take of an elk in September if you took it down July 15th. But I'm not even going to, you know, tread tread on that at right. all. I'm not yeah. going to risk it. So, yeah. yeah, it was disappointing. You know, I, I've always used cameras just as a barometer to get a gauge on the antler growth and the bull crop for that year, just to kind of see what's realistic, if you know right. what I mean, Chris. Yeah. Um I've, I can honestly say I've never used trail cam intel to directly aid in the, in the killing of an elk or harvest of a bull ever. So for me, it was just an enjoyable thing to get out there and, and do it, see what the bulls look like that year. Um, so yeah, it's just unfortunate, but yeah, I mean, cause some of those years, I mean, obviously here you are in nine or you pick the unit, but especially nine, you know, you got the clients that are like, I want a 400 inch bull. Okay. Everybody mm -hmm. does, but you know, you, some of those years were okay. There is no 400 inch bull not possible. It's not right. possible. The, the oldest bull that we know that, you know, whether other outfitters or whoever have been watching this bull for the past six years, they, they know that bull last year. Yeah. He was over 400 this year. He's the 370 bull. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the biggest bull of the unit. So if you see a 330 or 340 bull and he, you, you need to be thinking about putting him on the ground because he is that 380 bull. Yeah, on a normal year, exactly. Versus, versus, you know, maybe this year they're they're doing awesome, but it's nice to have a like you said a barometric. You know, what are we looking at as far as the scale? So when a bull walks in, I know yes, that's a shooter or no hold off because yeah. a lot of guys that aren't experienced with big bulls, the, especially if they come from the public land over the counter stuff, the first yeah. three twenty three thirty bull walks in and they're, oh my, I'm it, just yeah. shoot it. You're like, okay, hold on. Yeah. He's only four years old. Just let him go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we still have 12 days left to hunt. Let that one right. go. <laughs> All right. Well, then I know your time is pressed. So I want to dive in. And I sent you kind of the premise of what I wanted to talk about. And you segued perfectly with it. You've been down there. Now, okay, let me let me qualify that. Maybe I'll let you, I will. I'll let you kind of set the stage a little bit. But so I started off this conversation of the philosophy of your elk calling with, with Jay and because mm -hmm. Jay and I are very similar and he's very similar. The three of us are very similar. Now you made a change Great. lately in the past couple years with some bugling stuff. And that's why I want to talk to you 
you know, as you know, f- apart from Jay. Um, yeah. but, but Jay, the three of us are very similar on our philosophy. So I started with Jay and Jay with Arizona, he's got a lot of, he's what he calls a, a lot of reps. I mean, he's, he's been in front of elk a lot, but he, yeah. he was very specialized. He did not guide all over Arizona. He focused I, on a couple units and he would yeah. only take one or two guys a year. And then, yeah. you know, his, his experience on the, the Indian reservations and then at Ot six and et cetera. I talked to, to Dirk uh, because he has a, a different philosophy. However, I've seen his calling. May, I don't want to say change, but I've seen his calling. And, and, I'm, and I don't mean this in any, any sort of disrespectful way, kind of mature. You know, like I, yeah. I watched his, you know, from where he was when he was with uh, Corey and what they were doing in the early days to what I see him doing now. Yeah. He's not, he leans on a, a bugling strategy a heck of a lot more than I do. But then when you listen to him talking with his cow calling and maybe how he processes things, I can get behind some of what he's doing. And, right. I, and, and I definitely wanted you on anyway, but man, you want to talk in my mind, talking about bridging the gap between a Jay Scott and a, and a Dirk. Because the beautiful thing about you, how many years have you been guiding down there? I, obviously, you talked about 2002, and I, I killed that bull in 2002. It was brutal dry. Yeah. So how long have you been guiding Arizona? It was um, – I, I went down there. My dad drew an early rifle tag in 1995 in Unit 23. That's when I first met Jay Scott was in 1995. That trip changed my life, Chris. I basically said to myself that fall that I have to be out here with these big bulls during the rut in Arizona for the rest of my life if it kills me. And it, it kind of did. I mean, I had to yep. struggle and I'm sure, you know, put pieces together. Um, you know, it was it was a lot of years of of, of trying to make things work. But um, really, I started guiding in 2000 was the first year I actually took a client. Um, but it was that 1995 year that really kicked things off. So yeah, that, that this would be the 22nd or 23rd year. Um, I've guided some of the units I've guided are one, uh, 27, three, a three C, um, six B, six uh, a on the late hunt, um, seven West, seven East, eight, 10, nine, of course, 23 North, <laughs> Way too many. <laughs> hey, no, um, no. And you used to also have an operation in Southwest Kansas, uh, Southwest Colorado. Are are you yeah, still doing hunts over there? Yes, we are. Yes. And and those so, were those were rifle hunts. Yes, they were later on. In yes. The okay. Right. So, those are kind of mid October to mid November. Right. And okay. with elk still vocal, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, though. You, how many guides do you hire a year? I have about a dozen guides. Okay, so you're right about you're yeah. you're if you're not, you're almost in every unit of Arizona every year. Yeah, we cover a lot of those units in Arizona. You know, all the way from the premium units, you know, down to the fives and and those kind of units: five A, five B North, five B South. Yeah, and everything in between. Absolutely, eight. Seven West, 27, I mean, you name it, 3C, we're all over this year. So that's the beautiful thing about, and this is why I wanted to talk with you. 
because everybody, th- you know, when we, you know, if Jay and I are talking about, you know, you know, nine or 10 or whatever. Okay. That's a, that's a different tier of a, of a type mm-hmm. of hunt. You're, you're dealing with bulls that could be 12 years. Well, I, maybe not anymore now that they changed their late hunts, but in the, in the day, I mean, this was where you could actually have some really old bulls. You could have a pile of young bulls and they were all big and they were, they, they just were, they, it was, it was unbelievable. But Arizona also has units that are managed for opportunity and no, they're not over the counter. Yeah. Yeah. They're not over the counter, but they're running a lot of hunters in those units. You're going to have an, a significant amount of hunter pressure in those units. Very similar. And quite honestly, I might even argue maybe even more pressure than some of our maybe Colorado wilderness hunts where it's harder to get into. To where totally you you have been in. So you've been in the arena for now more than 20 years in just a massive diversity of units and for my focus i'm looking at a diversity in hunter pressure i'm looking at a diversity in age class that you get to hunt you're you're chasing bulls in a diversity of habitats so as far as someone who is well-rounded as far as you the experience from the big pines and and higher elevations of arizona obviously it's not 14 you know 12 to thirteen thousand feet but you're talking the big pines and the upper elevations in Arizona, all the way down to the pinion juniper country, aspens, everything. You've played in it, yeah. And and you've right. played in it. You've played in it in the great years. You've played in it in the just brutal suck years. And the thing is, yeah. you've consistently performed. So by and large, yes. <laughs> uh, let, there's, there's some let, years I'm disappointed with myself. Basically. And, I put so much pressure on myself. If I don't call an elk in every single time I go out, especially in the mornings, if I don't call in multiple elk in the mornings and something in the evenings, I'm disappointed in my performance. Right. And, and, that, and that's, and that's head and yeah. that's head and shoulders above pretty much everyone else on the landscape. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. That's I do. <laughs> 2020 that, uh, that definitely took a back seat in 2020. We just, we just, we just don't think about 2020. We just, we just move. We're moving forward. But but yeah, you're correct, Chris. These units in Arizona, they're so accessible. They're so carved up with fire control roads that anybody can get out there and blow calls at these elk and put pressure on them and get to them. These elk are really civilized, if you will. I think people that come from you know, backcountry states, they're blown away by how these elk will be just right by roads and right by towns and right by the highways. And they're just used to that. But, the, but then with that in mind, they've heard everything. They've heard every call out there. You know, they've heard every type of, of sound that people can throw at them. So I really feel like someone has to be more authentic in their sounds and more thoughtful about when and how they put them out there to be able to call these elk in consistently than maybe you would if you, you know, went way back country and were hunting elk that haven't heard a lot of calling, haven't had a lot of pressure put on them. I always say you have to do things exactly right in Arizona to, to get them in. That's my experience anyway. And and I don't, I, I think I know the answer. Did you get a chance to listen to Jay and I's discussion? 
on, I on did not. I, I did not. Good. But I, I, I will say that I think I think Jay and I's approach and, and, and you and I's approach is very similar. I think I, I don't feel like I've changed, Chris. I feel like the only thing that, that I've done a little different to adjust was just out of necessity in 2019. I found myself in a position dealing with herd bulls. Um, and I really hadn't found myself in that position a lot before. And I would say maybe three or four years prior to that, I decided that I was going to kind of um, complete my tackle box, if you will, learn some more sounds, perfect some more sounds. And I will say, I, I as far as calling goes, I'm not an island unto myself. I feel like I'm, uh, I glean things from different people. Like I, I think Jay, as far as cow calling, you listen to him cow call on a mouth read. There's nobody better. If I had a tag and had someone calling for me, that's who I would want calling for me is Jay. No, nobody better on a mouth read. He changed how I approached calling in 1995. I really feel like I was terrible when I met him in 95, but just watching how he made cow sounds changed me. And, and then, you know, I, I, I glean things from guys like, you know, Corey, as far as being around him, hearing him bugle, hear the, the power and the three-dimensional quality of his bugling. Um, you know, I gleaned from that. Uh, Joel Turner, same way. Um, you know, he came about with that bugle that he calls the bull calling cow's bugle. And I thought, well, maybe he's got something there. So I listened to how he did it, set about trying to, you know, practice it. Um, you know, same way with uh, like Dirk. I think his chuckling is unreal. Um, yeah, I uh, even uh, that uh, that uh, she's not so young anymore, but a, a gal named Hannah Holiday, oh, who yeah. I heard call at the RMEF World Calling Championship. Jay happened to be judging that year, and we were both blown away by her voice cow calling. It was incredible. Not just the tone of it, but how she would kind of start with lower emotion sounds and build it up into a crescendo of just excited sounding calls. It was unreal. But yeah, I, I like to say that, um, you know, I never feel like I've arrived as far as calling. And I think there's always improvement to be made and you can always glean from other people. And, you know, as far as, far as you, your mind, I would like to take more of your mind and put it in here. And, you know, when I go to the woods, um, sometimes, you know, you get in that position where you think I've tried this and I've tried that. What, what should I do next? You know? Right. Yeah. But, but as far as calling to those bulls, Chris, back to that, um, I would still say by and large, I am, I'm a lover and not a fighter. Absolutely. I will tell you this last year on the hunt, I never got myself in the position to blow that um, bull calling cows, lip ball, whatever you want to call it, bugle that I've had success with. I never got myself in that position because I feel like to blow it, you not only have to blow it right and it be on point with volume, tone, angst. I feel like it has to make a statement and not ask a question when you blow it. You got to let that herd bull know that you mean business, but you have to be in the right position to blow it. If you're not, I'm going to say easily inside of hundred yards, more like inside 75 yards. And, and the situation has to be right where he, where he's at, according to his cows, what the terrain and vegetation is like between you and him. And if you blow it at the wrong time, it, it doesn't work. Um, I'll even say this. There's times when I've blown it, Chris, when I feel like it doesn't come out exactly right. And I say to myself, Ooh, that wasn't quite on point and it doesn't work then. 
but the times when I when it comes out and like I said, and it has the right angst and the right uh, statement in it, like I'm punching him in the face, that's when it works. But aside from that, I'm a, I, I call in my bulls with cow calls. I, I'm a I'm a cow caller. All right, so I mean, okay, that's perfect. So let's let's dive into that because how did and and maybe it sounds like a stupid question, but you've been in the game for so stinking long. You know, okay, I don't even know how I want to frame this because this this is the thing. I could sit and talk to you the next three hours. Um, what you just nailed there is where I wanted to go, and so now my brain is just like we're just going to dive it because what you hit on was, was timing and situation and you are a tactician as far you say you want my mind and the, and the thing that i i laugh about is i of all the the the, the between us and it doesn't matter you've got you, you've got plenty of brain in there and and the thing is is what you just said you i listened and i'm i'm doing some other videos now but bugling Bugling strategies, can they work? Absolutely, they can work. But I see so many people. It's it's the sexy side of calling. It's it's that it's right. the it's the charismatic. You know, I, I said the other day, and and I, I kind of <laughs> I kind of mean it. Is it seems like more and more these days, hunters are getting in this mindset that we are going to climb on our trusty steed and we're going to ride into the wilderness and slay the savage beast. We're, we're, we're going to go slay the dragon. I, I love Jason Phelps and I, 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 they have a mouth read called the dragon slayer. I mean, oh, I love it. so, yeah. you know, and Dirk, you know, monsters are coming. And so it's, we, yeah, we build this, this build up thing of where, you know, Hunter, we're going to go in and we're going to go to battle. And the mindset then becomes, okay, I hear an elk, I need to challenge him. I need to fight him or I need to threaten him. I need to, I need to pick up my sword and my shield and charge <laughs> in, you know, and, and start swinging yeah. where it's like, yeah. okay, we need to get back to the fundamentals of Elk behavior. We need to get back to the fundamentals of the 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 reproductive strategy, the mate selection strategy of elk, and and that 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 mentality of we're going to fight and slay the savage beast is <laughs> is not is is not within the bulk the 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 majority of the realm of when we're talking about September and we're talking about bulls interacting with cows and more importantly cows that are interacting with themselves and quite honestly choosing the bulls that they're going to be be uh, with we've right. got we have to start thinking about yes will bulls fight of course they will but do they want to yeah i think most bulls don't i think no. most bulls are passive by and large by and large i believe most bulls are passive and you're going to get further with them being a lover Sweet talking them, tickling their ears, tickling their feet, whatever you know what I mean. You want yeah. to be sexy and sweet with that cow call. Absolutely. Not to say that you can't kill a bull on a given day with bugling. Um, I, you know, I, I do very much respect what Dirk and Jason and Corey and those guys do. I mean, and, and when you hear them bugle, you're like, Yeah, I can see why they kill bulls that way. Well, Absolutely. And, 
and and getting into and then when I talk to you know Dirk and you you pick apart some of the scenarios and the places they go. Number one, they're they're choosing um, they're choosing a hunt style that allows them to just go from you know area to area to area, elk to elk, you know, and they're they're going out there and they're going to try to find that one that wants to play their game. Yeah, and so yeah. they choose they choose a hunt style that's like that that is conducive to that. Yeah. And in some of these guys that have, you know, the guys that have, and there's a lot of guys that have perfected their elk hunting in the era, or excuse me, in the Idaho, you know, complex of, of, you know, maybe Washington, Oregon, Idaho, in some of that real thick, thick cover to where, yes, there's some behavioral things there and then environmental things there that lend themselves to being able to, to utilize that bugling strategy. But like what, Again, your experience in Arizona, the diversity of that landscape, man, there and it's and it's very similar, maybe even what some people might find up in the high country above Timberline, where if those elk have open open habitats, right? They, they just all they need to do is retreat a tiny little bit and get into an opening and stand there and evaluate, yeah. evaluate whatever threat or whatever bull is going to be coming in because. You know, Jay nailed it in our discussion. I asked him specifically on what he's seen in the odd six over the years and how many, you know, 50, 75, what, I, don't, I don't remember how many bulls he's watching, you know, and got to know the individual personality of more than 50 yeah. bulls over years. Yeah. The number of bulls that were just flat out fighters. Not so many. Single digits. Were yeah. Versus the, the vast majority are like, nope, we've got our cows. I, I, I'm a mature bull. I feel confident. I know I can relay that to the cows. The cows perceive that the cows are like, we choose you and they just go off and they just, now, are they going to bugle? Are they going to, are, are they going to try to keep all the riffraff away? Of course they are. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, and so that's, so let's go back to your early days in Arizona mm -hmm. because this is when Primos was starting to ramp up in their activity on elk. You right. were a very strong influence on Will and the Primos boys with, with their elk stuff. So back in the early days, um, I mean, we're going back to the days of Dwight Shue, uh, Larry D. Jones. You know, but, <laughs> yeah, that was my first elk call, by the way, was yeah. Larry D. Jones. Yeah, yeah remember, the, remember the, somebody said this the other day. Remember the ELK call, the, the, the little, the little, totally. have, the have clap, the clap. I guarantee I had one. Yeah, yes, yeah. I did. With a rubber band in between. Yes. Yeah. So Definitely. when you started, now this is back in the day too when John McClendon, John mm -hmm. McClendon, I mean the grant, the the Godfather, if you will, of nine Arizona. Yeah. All of you guys, and it wasn't that bugles didn't bugles bugle tubes. I mean Wayne Carlton had his his bugle tubes and everything back in the day. Right. Why do you think? You guys found so much success. What? How, I I don't know how to even want to look. If you look at what goes on in Arizona, I keep saying Arizona in Idaho. In in the guys that have have from Rocky Jacobson, Corey, Dirk, and all the, all those guys that kind of came up in the elk hunting world in the Idaho Washington Oregon complex. It seemed they they all went in a direction of bugling. That's, I mean, yes. Did they do cow calling? Yes. yes. But they're, they're, they are, they're strong bugling influence. Yes. 
And it seems like what happened in Arizona and in Colorado, it just seemed like that came into a cow calling theme. Back in back in the early days, did you play around with bugles back in the day? And and or or did you just how did how did your calling philosophy because you are you're a lover not a fighter and you yeah. are you are the master i'm sorry you you give jay props and i i give jay props but you do realize that jay's going to turn right around and say he, he what you said about jay is what he says about you uh, and i will concur <laughs> i will concur with jay yeah, <laughs> if, I, yeah. if i ever if i ever have to go with some if i ever have to have someone I, what i i told jay was Maybe with my political stuff, I'm going to mouth off and somebody's going to clock me in the jaw and break my jaw. And I, I'm going to have to have my wire, my jaw wired shut, which means if I have to go hunt somewhere, I'm going to have to have someone. So if I'm going to have someone call for me, I said, I'm having Steve Chappell call for me and I'm having <laughs> Jay sit up on the dog knobs and he's going to go find, he's going to sit behind glass and he's going to go find us a bull. Yeah, he's going to find us a bull. And then I'm going to go in with Steve and Steve's going to just sweet talk that sucker right to point blank. And then when we grab a fistful of hair, we'll evaluate and we'll see if we want to shoot him or not. That sounds good to me. <laughs> sounds like a plan. Yeah, yeah, Chris, I would say that I've been a lover probably, probably pretty much from the beginning. You know, I um, very much... Uh, you know, respected and learned from, you know, guys like Will Primos and Wayne Carlton. I mean, I feel like those guys are icons in hunting. Um, it's not just their calling, but their personalities, just how they come across and how they approach hunting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from the beginning, I don't feel like I ever, like I was telling you, really considered bugling until fairly recently just because I was a little frustrated dealing with herd bulls and not having a lot of success. Maybe even Chris, maybe even avoiding dealing with them because of, of the cows and just thinking, okay, well, I can get there. I can cow call to him. Most times the bull's got what he wants. He's just going to bugle to me. And if I continue to cow call to him, it just seems like it's less and less effective. I found sometimes in Arizona, not always, but sometimes the cows will actually pull the bull away from you um yep. if things yeah. aren't yeah. perfect yes. because they they know i mean there's cows that are 15 plus years old i guarantee running those herds in arizona they've heard it all um and if they don't like what they're hearing or you're not you know you're not in a, a good position they'll pull the bull away and the game's over so um yeah by and large i've always been a cow caller i can still remember my first archery kill um, basically Jay introduced me to the Primos reeds, uh, back there in 95. And, uh, one fall later, I hike up a steep hillside in Southern Colorado below, uh, I think it was a Primos ivory plate at the time. As I'm walking up the hillside, a bull erupts up on the hill, probably three quarters of a mile up above me. I knew to cut the distance down. So I walked up, got probably within 150 yards of him. Blew the cow calling down the hill behind myself, and lo and behold, he came tearing down the hill and came up to 30 yards, and I shot him. And I thought, gosh, this is easy. Why didn't I start doing this 20 years ago? You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, but but yeah, that was that was kind of how I um, you know got baptized into bow hunting right there. And and you know I've realized ever since then that it's usually not that easy. Sometimes it is, but most times you have to really do things right and work hard for every call in. Yeah. Um, I will say it's interesting when I guide hunters, sometimes they'll ask me this and I, I don't mean to be a smart aleck or offensive when I say it, but they'll say, what's the game plan? And I say, the game plan 
is always changing and developing every minute with me. I don't ever go to the field morning or evening. I might have an area that I want to hunt or troll to, to listen for bugling. But as far as my calling, I don't have a game plan. It's always changing according to what I'm encountering and what situation I feel is in front of me. You know, whether I'm going to cow call with a mouth read, whether I'm going to cow call with an open read, whether I'm going to bugle, you know, it's, it's, it's based on what's in front of me and, and, and what I feel logically makes the most sense to get that bull in. I, I by no means uh, have a, a game plan that I'm going to stick to. It's going to change. And, and, and my goal is to get those elk into point blank range. However, I have to do that. And, and okay. That's perfect. And this is, again, this is why I think obviously I'm biased because you have a very similar philosophy that I do. And same with Jay, what I see sometimes and I'm not saying this with, with, with everything. There are some people that like, that like to engage in and have worked to perfect their skills in the chess match of elk hunting. Yeah. And then it seems like there are some hunters that are trying to perfect their skills in the combat of elk hunting in, in, <laughs> in, in the, in, and I, and I, and I don't mean, cause we, we've all seen the combat bow hunting and that's not what I mean. I mean, in the, in the, it, it's a, it's, well, again, you, we go to back to the challenge or the fight or the threat, you know, where I'm going to, I'm going to go and we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go after this bull and I'm going to make him react and I'm going to make him pissed uh, off and I'm going to make him charge into me. It's like, okay, that that's two different, completely different philosophies and, and you, both of them can work. Both of them can work. But yeah. one of the examples I've always given and what you just hit on there is, you know, I give my example of the Valley of the 10 bulls. If, if I go into this Valley and there's 10 different bulls with their cows in that Valley, there are some people that, that they'll burn right through all those bulls to find the one that wants yeah. to play their game. Yeah. Versus maybe you, me, Steve or Jay, or, you know, I want to be able to go into that valley and I want to be able to go from bull to bull to bull and play that game. However, that bull needs to play. Not a problem. I'll play your game because I want to call you in. If nothing else, I want to have fun calling you in and see, you. Right. but right. you know, when it comes down to a client or if it comes down to your hunt and you know, if you have this, my bias is if you have the skill set to, to, to learn to play the chess game, You can all, yeah, there's so many ways to, to directions to go. You've been able to over the years to in so many different places, different conditions, you've learned to play that, you've learned to master the chess match. And what you said a little bit ago about, okay, and especially with unit nine, I could absolutely see where maybe because of the how they had in the past have structured their late season hunts and they, they started whacking the piss out of yeah. some of those older age class bulls to where in the old days you had this, you had this just a ton of older age class bulls where some of them had cows and some of them were just going between cow groups. And I mean, so right. you could get in there and you could call to a legit 380 monster eight year old bull. He's yeah. just, running, he's just running between harems. 
and he'll he'll run you over. But right. when, when you whittle away at your older age class, now you have a couple older bulls that might survive, or maybe they find refuge over on the Indian reservation or in the park. But then yeah. you get a bunch of just younger age class bulls. Now all of a sudden, this is where you start getting into a situation where, yeah, one big bull, ton of cows, bunch of satellites. Well, yeah. you know, the satellites are not what we're after this year. And if we're after that upper echelon animal, we're no longer finding that upper echelon just bouncing between groups. They are the group. They they, right. they are the ones running it. So it lends itself maybe now to where, yes, smart on you to be able to evaluate, say, okay, I need to pick up a different skill set. But this is what, so I want you to dive into this a moment because this, what you said just intuitively, subconsciously is huge timing and situation yeah what you said about last year where you never found yourself in a situation where that was the tool exactly and i think it was so frustrating for me chris so frustrating to not be able to use that call and think about how I had been in the woods in 2019 and literally talked to Jay about using that sound and, and, and saying, yeah, Joel Turner was right. You know what I mean? I'm using it and it's <laughs> working. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, to not even get myself in that position. It was super frustrating for me, but I realized that, yeah, you, I, I will say this. I hunt with my feet more than I do with my calls. Um, I, th I think hunters are always surprised when they're around me that I'm not just blowing calls constantly. Um, I, I'm positioning myself, hunting the wind, getting in the right situation, uh, using the terrain and vegetation to get in close. Because you, you and I both know, Chris, that a call means way more to a bull from 100, 120 yards than it does from a quarter of a mile away. Um, I have encountered hunters out there in Arizona where you know, they'll be down with an arrow knocked bulls bugling a half a mile away. And you come walking up pretty aggressively going toward that bugle. And you're thinking, seriously, he's hunting that bull out there. Yeah. So you'll stop and whisper and say, are you hunting that bull? And he's like, yes. And you're thinking, my goodness, dude, you need, you need to close 650 yeah. yards before you even think about setting up on him or blowing a call. Um, so yeah, I, I go back to, um, I'm not just blowing calls indiscriminately. It's it's with purpose. And um, I'm not a guy either that just throws out this herd talk, if you will. I, I feel like I'm almost, almost too much of a perfectionist about each sound that comes out. I want quality sounds, each one, you know, to, to mean something and have impact rather than just filling the woods with a barrage of sounds, if you will. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And this is where, you know, again, Jim Horn back in the day with Primos was, was a huge part of, of that, that whole transition into their elk stuff. But that's where Jim and I disagreed. You know, Jim always would talk, you know, build the excitement, build the excitement, do a bunch of her time. And, and I mean, you'd hear it. And I'm, and I'm like, I mean, <laughs> what, what did Jay say? You just carpet bombed. You just carpet bombed that whole area with, with, with oh. cow calls. And it's like, okay, what did you, but what did you do? Like, you're like yeah. what were you, what were you saying? He's like, doesn't matter. Just build that excitement. I'm like, okay, yeah. if you're if you're gonna build the excitement and you're just gonna cast a net and just see what comes, okay, mm -hmm. you're gonna get a lot of those satellite bowls. You're gonna get a lot of these exactly younger bowls. Yep, they're yep. gonna come running in, and it's awesome, and it's yep. great footage. 
But when you're talking about going over there and, and I want that bull there and yeah. what you said, um, I agree with you. There are times when those cows, I mean, people always talk about the, the, the rut, you know, the, the reproductive drive of bulls and, and they look, they just almost always overlook the reproductive drive of the cow, a bull, you know, we were teenage boys once more the yeah. merrier. I don't care yeah. if it's two, 12, 22, quite honestly, <laughs> I want it to be 22. Yeah. Whereas, whereas a cow, she looks at it. She's like, I don't care if another cow on this landscape gets bred. I, I need to get bred. Yeah. So it's very personal. So mm -hmm. she's going to be protective of her, her little group. And so if all of a sudden, you know, say there's a, a group of 10 cows with their calves, they're going to have their pecking order and there's going to be a yeah. dominant cow in there. But if all yeah. of a sudden I go out and carpet bomb this area with a, just sound like a whole big herd of cows, is that in her best interest? Not at all. No, not at all. That's no, a threat to her. Yeah. Right. Right. Now to your point though, when you talk about wanting to be a tactician and when you, you just want to kind of surgically give those, there are times and I've called in down in unit nine, I've called in, I've been able to, sucker in some of those big bulls because if you change and you can and be a tactician using those calf sounds or maybe using some of those assembly mews and sucker a calf or a young cow out of that group to have her come check now either the group comes your way or that bull has got to swing around and try to pick you all up and then totally. so but yeah. but it's you're those two cow calling strategy, here we are. We're not even talking about a bully bugling strategy right now. We're talking about a cow calling strategy and it's a tactician. You're, you're, you're not, they're not the same. Even though we're using cow calls, it's not the same. What you right. do, yeah, varies widely between people who are cow callers. I completely agree. And, and you nailed it. I, I feel like Calf sounds are the least threatening out there. That's that's the least likely to cause a problem for you out there and, and very likely to turn things for the better for you. It, um, if I was going to do anything and improve in my calling, it would be calf sounds and that lost calf sound. Because if nothing yeah. else, A, it's and this is what I've always said. Number one, it's not threatening to the adult cows. Uh, you could add 20 calves to that group, that hair, that harem, not one of them is going to disrupt the hierarchy, the pecking order of those mature cows, not one. And totally. then number, number two, you're actually appealing to the maternal instinct of those cows. If you've Definitely. got a calf that's off on their own, that's the wrong situation. What the uh, hell we need, we need to go over there and make sure, br bring it in, make sure it's okay. Oh yeah. It's, it's especially at that time of the year when, you've got those cows that are weaning off their little ones to where you may be not nursing as heavy. This you're still going to be appealing to that mater maternal instinct of those cows to where, again, this is where, and, and I've always, I've always been the guy that said, I want to know what I'm saying, why I'm saying it. Yeah. When I, when I vocalize to that animal, I'm supposed to be pretending to be an elk. And if, right. if, if an elk is going to be vocalizing, she's he or she's going to know what the hell they want. So I want to know what I'm saying. And for yeah. a purpose, I want you to give me a response. And in this situation, because of the, the mature cows or whatever, I'm going to lean on a lost calf sound. So yeah. that way I'm not threatening versus, I mean, there's so many different ways to, to, I mean, there's so many different scenarios, but this is why I wanted to have you on. 
because exactly. you bridge, in my opinion, and and I and you and you said it. It's funny because what you said earlier was exactly what Jay and I said, and we haven't conferred. Mm-hmm. Arizona people say people will hunt the backcountry of Colorado or they'll hunt other places. And they'll be like, Oh, we just, Oh man, we got any, and it'll just, just call shy bulls and, you know, call shy. i like, okay, hold on. <laughs> it's an over the counter unit. So the area is managed for opportunity. The oldest age class bull that you have in that unit might be four and a half. Right. So most of the bulls you're chasing are two and a half to three and a half year old bulls. How educated are they? Number one versus yeah. the, the, what you said, the 15 year old cow. That's been right. through archery, muzzleloader, first, second, third, fourth rifle season for the past fifteen years. Yeah, she might savvy. know. Yeah, she might know what she's doing. Yeah, but more importantly, you just went into the backcountry. You might have only been the third person, or that that elk has ever seen, versus Arizona, between recreation between just general people out on the landscape. And then, like you said, you can drive everywhere. And some of these yeah. units have hundreds of tags. Yes. Yeah. And hunters can go everywhere all day, every day, and saturate that entire landscape. Those yeah. elk have heard it all. Yeah, they like have. We were joking, you know, like someone blows out and you're like, oh, that's a Carlton. Never mind. That's a native by Carlton. We'll just go. <laughs> there. I mean, they'll know the calls that you're blowing. Right. They've heard it. To where mm-hmm. I think sometimes Arizona is more difficult to call in elk than what I've experienced in some of the places in Colorado. Yeah, I would agree. Absolutely. Every year, I'm just always the impression that hits me is this is not going to be easy. I'm going to have to do things right. I'm going to have to obviously hunt the wind 100% and I'm going to have to sound good. I'm going to have to sound authentic. And, and call with purpose in what I'm trying to say and put out there. Yeah. Well, so I know you've got a little bit of time left and I want to keep you. What do you do then with, and, and, and this just came off the top of my head. I'm just curious about this. I'm, I'm talking to Steve Chappell and, I, and I'm talking to Steve Chappell about Steve Chappell's philosophy and mindset and, and your 20 plus year development but you're hiring guides. You're hiring people to take other people out in the woods. How do you, do you sit down and do you have conversations like this with your guides? And, and how do you, you just said that you guys, you guys had a recent meeting and, and kind of got together and stuff. Talk yeah. me through, talk me through what you do for your guides before season. I don't even know. I'm just very curious. Yeah. The the first thing I do, the, the, the way I meet the best guides is through my current guides, my trusted current guides, because I feel like if they bring someone to me, it's going to be someone that they know is a great hunter, has, has great uh, integrity uh, is very important to me, obviously, but that is a proven elk hunter already. And then from that, they'll pass them off to me and I'll have a visit like this. I'll, I'll ask them about how they call, how they approach elk calling. Um, you know, you can tell right away whether somebody knows, knows their stuff or not. Um, so, so that's how I approach it is, is through getting, you know, referred to someone through my current guides. So when I did have this guide summit, 
Um, as hard as it was, I did get up there and talk about my elk calling and my approach to it. And I blew the various calls. You know, I, I should say this. I haven't even mentioned that I have this line of calls through Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, which I've been doing for the past 12 years. And, you know, super proud that. to be working with those guys. But um, anyway, I, I gave them all brand new calls, not like they were new callers, but I wanted them to have fresh everything. Um, but I just got up there and said, you know, this is how I blow this particular open read and even told them that I use a pair of light cotton gloves because I feel like it kind of dampens the sound and makes it sound more realistic and authentic as opposed to more harsh and brash. Um, because I feel like when a bull's out there and you blow that first call at him, let's say that you got him to bugle from three quarters of a mile away and then you didn't make another sound until you got into what you assumed to be 150 yards or so. That call better be sweet, in my opinion, when you get in there close like that. And I feel like for me, putting on those those thin cotton gloves just puts that, you know, perfect sound on that call. Um, so, you know, I, I talked about things like that with them. I said, you know, when I, when I'm dealing with herd bulls, here's the sound that I make and why, but I stressed again, Chris, like we just talked about, about the situation where you would use that in. Otherwise I am not a bugler. Um, I even demonstrated them for them and we haven't talked about it, but that estrus call that that, that i use that, that i'm gonna say right here i'm gonna say right here that 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 sound is not limited to the rut whatsoever Cow, yeah. cows make that in the summertime yeah um i first heard it in october in colorado and I was, and it was during the rut and these cows were going absolutely ballistic. And, and I came back and I told my dad, I said, unless there would have been an elk right in front of me, I would not have believed it was an elk making that sound. I said, it sounded like a chimpanzee in a cage screaming is what it sounded like. And that's where I kind of came up with that. It was kind of oh, sexy I back in the day, Chris, you know how everything was estrus, this magnum estrus cow call, estrus wine, estrus everything and so that's why i co yeah you, coined you it the estrus screen yeah and we and, and we have fun with it i i have no problem and this is what i've said i have no problem people with people calling it whatever they want i just yeah. want people to understand if yes. you're in early you know early utah i mean it, it's yes. it's a sound that cows are going to use when they are trying desperately trying to find another member of the herd or they're yeah. trying to find their calf so yeah. a lot of people, you know, they do you, saying, do you oh, call it a selfish mew? Is that what you call it? Selfish mew? You know, I, yeah. and I did, and I will say this, I just lit, here are my notes. I, oh, you can't see it. I am, I am, I've been challenged. Okay. So I've got from a behavioral ecology standpoint, I've got my ideas and, and stuff about behavior, vocalizations, communication in the wise. Because of the popularity of some of the bugling stuff going on, I just get bombarded with uh -huh. people wanting to know, okay, what's this? What's this? Yeah. And like I said, some of it's starting to take a, take a kind of a, you know, I, 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 I talk all the time about, I really, if I really don't play to testosterone out in the field to elk, I don't play, I don't like to play to testosterone. I play to the base fundamental core vocalizations. The vocalization that bull hears, that the vocalizations that bull heard and listened to and obeyed when he was a bull calf and his mother. Yeah. Same vocalizations that he's hearing now with the cows and the calves that he's around. 
I, I, I start with foundational principles and I work my way up if I need to. I'll always call as right. much as I need to, but never more than I have to. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with aggression. I start at the lowest level of aggression, especially on an afternoon hunt. If I come in on bulls that aren't real vocal or not vocal at all, I start out just making little little chirps and you know what yeah. I would call little contact muse, just right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. just basically saying, hey, I'm an elk over here. Just but test I'm the water. Being very soft and subtle about it, just to let you know, hey, big boy, I'm right over here. If you if you're interested, you know, yeah. So with that, and Chris, I'll say the only time I use that aggressive, you know, what what I'm calling the estrus scream, what sure. estrus buzz, whatever people want to call it. I only use it when there's nothing to lose and nothing is happening. Very seldom on a morning hunt, occasionally if, if they've shut down, but it's usually on an afternoon hunt when nothing is going on. It's getting late into the evening. I've tried everything. Nothing else is working. Um, my cousin Gary, when he's with me, he always encourages me by saying, he calls it something I'm not going to say here, but he says, <laughs> Steve, you got nothing to lose, man. It, it works yeah. all the time when you do it. Yeah. So just start walking and do it. And that's what I do. I start walking and trolling with it. And by contrast to how I'm a little more reserved and tactful about how I cow call, I, I'm more aggressive and insistent with that call when I do it. And it seems like it many times it will wake up quiet woods and bring bulls running into you. I, you know, I really wish I knew what it was saying to them, um, but it, it's just worked time and time again. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So I, 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 we just forked there and I, I want to come back to, to my idea, but what you said there, and th this is what I see. There's some people that are going to listen to this and say, well, if it works every time, then why don't I just like right out the gate? Why do I waste yeah. time? Just right yeah, out. Yeah. The gate, just. Wah, wah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, right. It's like, okay. What Steve just said there is like me. I, I'm going to tiptoe into this, and yeah. I'm going to test the waters. If I wade all the way into my neck, and I still haven't gotten anything at this point, either I turn around and get back out, or I just got to I just got to go all in and and go submerged. And and this is where I this is where I'm the same way. I do not pull that out. Unless I have exhausted all other options. Yeah. And totally. I think I think it's one of those vocalizations where this is what and I and this is just me spitballing off the top of my head right now. This is one of those vocalizations where I think it can be successful with those bulls when you are you might be how do I want to put this? What you said earlier about not being in that in the perfect position to use a bugling strategy. Yeah. It's not the right point. You're too far or you're not in the right position of the cows. This is one of those vocalizations, whether it's a selfish mew, the asterisk, whatever. This is yeah. one of those situations where this one, I think can reach them. This is where it can reach beyond yeah. that zone. Reach out there. Reach beyond that totally. zone and, and, totally. and change what's going on in the herd dynamic. Absolutely. And Chris, as much as it's important, I feel like to blow that bull calling cows or lip ball bugle perfectly, I feel like same way with this sound. You, I want to say to people, you can do more damage with this sound than you can good. If, if And I always tell people, blow calls that you're confident in, blow sounds that you're confident in, 
that you do well. If, if you don't feel like you've mastered chuckling or don't sound good chuckling, don't do it. If you feel like you, you don't sound good doing this ester sound, don't use it. Um, cause I, I feel like there's times and, and I have to have my breathing, right. Everything has to be right in my countenance. I have to be with a hunter that, that builds confidence in me and makes me feel like I can do my thing and do what I want when I feel like it's right to do it. If I have any inkling of thinking about what is this guy going to think if I start blowing this call this afternoon, I don't do it well, or I don't do it at all. Um, so it's a call that you really have to be comfortable and confident in that you're, that you're really doing it well. And I think, uh, I think my calling advanced quite a bit when I started recording myself and listening to myself, um, because that's a real reality check when you hear what you sound like versus an elk. Brutal, um, brutal, brutal. Check. exactly. I, and, I, and I'll and I'll own it. I'm not the greatest applied caller. I can call and I I can call efficiently. Oh, oh yeah, but I oh, yeah. but I am not. I mean, I'm not a Steve Chapel. There's no two ways about oh. that. Because and, and I, I don't mean that to, to fluff you up because anybody can watch you because you got uh okay put a pin in that I want to circle back to what you, I want to pull a Jen Saki and I want to circle back to what you just <laughs> said there a minute I when I first started talking about it I called it the selfish me only because when I didn't know what else to say but when you're in a herd you list you'll get that one cow that's starting to do it. And she will trump everyone. Right. It's like I pay attention to me. Yeah. Now, originally, or yeah, originally, I didn't make the connection on just how closely tied it is to that cow and either her calf or that cow and a and another very specific elk on the landscape that she's interested in. Yeah. Uh, so I, and the reason why I, I I'm bringing this up now is because, because, because people have been asking me my opinion about all these 20 different style, you know, all these bugles that everybody talks about. Even you just said, you know, you got bull calling cow bugle. Some people call it lip ball bugle. Some people call it challenge bugle. Some people play bugle. It's like, yeah. geez, so can we make some sense out of this stuff? So right. Right. I, admitted, I said, if I if I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of of respectfully but professionally ripping apart some of the the connotations of bull bugling, yeah, then I'm going to turn the lens internally on myself first, and I'm going to rip apart what I talk about with my cow vocalizations. Mm-hmm. And now, because I started that in 2010, putting that stuff together. Well, between 2010 and 2022, I've got different understandings on some of those vocalizations, which uh, warrant, which yeah. warrant me correcting yeah. some of my interpretations. So that's what I did. I, I just recorded. I said, okay, I'm going to rip my own ideas apart first. Yeah. I'm going to restructure maybe what I think about my own take on cow vocalizations so that way, I know that at least I, in my mind, maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe I didn't achieve it as good as maybe I want or could. But at least I have the integrity to say I I am willing to rip myself apart before I rip someone else's ideas apart. Yeah. And so I don't I don't know if we call it a self if it's selfish or demanding or whatever. But all I know is 
maybe it's even nothing more than the ultimate expression of a lost mute. Because if you look yeah. at the, the, the structure of it, it holds and accentuates that high note. Like, you know, you can go through a lost calf mute to where it's, they'll either emphasize yeah. the high note or they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll extend that high note. Uh-huh. This does the exact same thing. It yeah. just, ah, it just puts yeah. a rasp into it. Rasp no, in there. And I'm sorry, yeah. this is, n- this is not a fluff piece. There is no one that I've ever heard do it like you. Now, oh. do you see, <laughs> now I, I mean that because you can either do it growl. You can, you can do it and yeah. you can growl, but you do it with your lips or you did. I did it with my lips, but I now do it with my vocal cords. I don't want to say that I growl because I don't. I don't make any sort of vocal sound. Um, I just activate my vocal cords into it. Um, So, yeah, I go back to basing all of my sounds. I'm not saying anything into any calls. I'm not saying anything. It's, It's basically when I trap the air, it just... And when I make that that uh, ester sound or selfish sure. mew, it's more like z, z, is how it sounds without a diaphragm in. But yeah, I'm not, yeah. obviously with a diaphragm in, I'm trapping that air and it's not escaping out of my mouth. But you can hear my vocal cords activate. And I feel like that's, for me, a little more authentic than when I use my lips. Um, I have mm-hmm. heard some people do it very well. I think Joel does it very well. Um, I actually judged a calling contest at the Glendale Cabela's probably a decade ago. And there was a guy I'd never heard of before that gets in this calling contest with four or five people and he nailed it. I was like, are really? you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I don't, I don't know, man. I, then I need to listen to what, when you were doing that with your lips, I could put you on one side of the screen and I've got a, I've got a ton of video of cows doing that. Like right smack. Look, I mean, like I'm 20 yards in front of the cow and she's looking just, wow. I could put yeah. you next to her and I'd be like, all right, blindfold. You tell me which one's which <laughs> don't man. Here's the part. Here's the part, Chris, that I want to improve on. And it, it's the mu part of the call. I, I feel like, a couple of cows that I've heard do it, do it during the rut. There's, there's a crazy aspect to their mew. So they're making that raspy sound that we're talking about. But then, then when they break away from that into a mew, it's a very, I I don't know, almost cry, cries it. Yeah. That that breath. Some people say pleading, but it's almost that breathy. It's wavy and it's got a cry to it. And I feel like that's where I could improve on that call is right there. This cow that I videoed in 3C walked right up to me. She, Chris, she got 10 yards away from me and turned and looked right at me. And she was like, almost as if to say, I know this is what you've been waiting for for the last <laughs> decade. So here it is right at me. And then she walks off and a herd bull leaves his cows, comes to her, a satellite bull comes up from a draw below. They fight right in front of me. I get this on video. A herd bull, you know, wins the fight. The satellite bull moves off. He, he rounds her up, takes her back with his harem. Probably 45 minutes later, I get in with this satellite bull that had come into her. And I made the sound as best I could with the diaphragm. And he just came in like a freight train to me. 
And that was kind of the turning point for me. Like, wow, you know, that, that okay. call means something important. So, okay, then, then, then what is your opinion then? Let, let me just bring it right back around then. Why would an average public land Joe Schmedley hunter, why wouldn't they just grab that and go? Why, why wouldn't they just dive into using that vocalization? And, and if it, if it's, and, I, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, but, yeah. But why, why not just do that then? If it, if yeah, it, I've asked, I've asked myself that too. I, I feel like it's probably the most aggressive sound that I use out there. I would say even more so than a bugle. So a lot of times, it's it's not what they want to hear at that time. Um, plus, I feel like I've just got to be in the right, right countenance for it to come out perfect for it to work. Because, like I said, I think you can do more damage. So I hate honestly even talking about it. Just like I do with that, uh, you know, bull calling, cow's bugle display, lip ball, whatever you want to call it, because I feel like guys can be so much more effective just cow calling, you know, just just blowing assembly muse, contact muse. I've always said, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it right now again, I feel like someone who masters an open read call, um, you know, I feel like, you know, the, the, the Carlton fighting cow call kind of started it off as far as I'm concerned. And then Primo's had the hyper lip calls, which I still think are phenomenal. Um, you know, I've got the trophy wife and the, the heartbreaker kind of based on that same concept. I feel like if someone masters those calls and sounds sweet, sexy, three-dimensional, um, has that nasal tone in there, um, they're, they're going to they're gonna call in more bulls than they can imagine with that, without being fancy. Um, and, and I feel like another thing about cow calling, when you're calling on an open read or a mouth read, you're putting out a much shorter sound out there into the environment. So a bull can't sit back there and go, huh, and listen to it for two, three, four seconds as it carries out like a bugle does and assess it and evaluate it and pick something wrong about it. Because I feel like what you can really pick apart on people is the end of a bugle. Um, a lot of times I get fooled by the beginning. You hear that high tone from a distance, but it doesn't have that angst that <clears throat> at the end. Well, Not I, well, I, yeah, and I, I talk about just chest sound. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. When, when, so, when they, when they, when their lungs equalize, when that, that chest, it, it, yeah, I don't need the growl. I just need to hear the, <sighs> You know, that just that yeah. that that deep where their lungs kind of equalize. I mean, that yeah. right then. It, I mean, yeah. you, 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 can, you can listen to you like, eh, was that a hunter? Was that a bull? Yeah. But you hear that end and you're like, boom, done. Yeah. There's no question. It, he can sound horrible. Yeah. Whatever else he wants to do. But if I hear that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Done. I, I'm, it's that's a it's unique to elk, isn't it? They, they, they all have a little bit of their own unique sound, but that ending to their bugle is unique to elk and people cannot duplicate that. Some people no. are better than others. I feel like a, a really good chuckler can, can fool people. Um, if you really master the chuckle with both that high sound and that breathy sound, kind of that snorty sound in there as well in the right cadence you can sound more authentic than you can lip balling or blowing a bugle just because you can't get that elky at the end. And, and I think it, I think it has to do with body mass. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know this to be true, but I would love to be able to, to evaluate like a guy like Jim Horn or some other big guy, like big guy that yeah. knows what the hell they're doing with that. 
and then evaluate like a you or me or Jay or anybody else that's a smaller, fr- you know, neither yeah. one. Of us maybe we need to, maybe we need to gain and weigh 500 pounds and go on the right, Chris. Hey, that's, <laughs> get a big I, will, old barrel. I, I will do that as long as you wheel me around the, the woods. And- <laughs> 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 right now, bugle, Chris. <laughs> Boom, bugle on command. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I eat I eat 12 dozen donuts a day just yeah. so I can get that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But, but again, I go back to saying that I feel like a cow call is less evaluated by a bull. It has less time to be evaluated and picked apart. So, you know, if you're going to err to the side of caution, I, I just feel like, you know, cow calling is, has been my go to. It's going to continue to be my go to. And I would say to any people out there who are getting into elk hunting, regardless of what stage you're at, I feel like you're going to have way more success mastering those authentic cow sounds than you are anything else. So don't let anything that I've said today about bugling or calling to these herd bulls or using this estrus selfish mew or whatever I'm talking about, don't let that divert you or mess with your mind and and, and get you sidetracked into thinking that you need to do that. Uh, I say, Master your cow calling and work on these things on the side in the off season. That that's the approach that I take. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, and I, you know, I I play devil's advocate with that the asterisk or selfish mule or whatever. The <laughs> thing is, is we've been there and and we take. I think a lot of us that are experienced in the in the field oftentimes take this for granted that new hunters maybe don't. There's days we walk out in the field and the squirrels are running around, the birds are singing. And I mean, there's ravens flying, you know, circling around, you know, going, everything is alive. The lizards are moving around. I mean, everything is alive and things are talking. And in those situations where, okay, I feel a lot more free and more comfortable, maybe trying that style of aggressive vocalization because the entire environment is alive. alive and moving and engaging and vocalizing and everything else. But then there's other days where we don't want to step wrong on wet grass because <laughs> yeah. it is dead. There's yes. not a bird moving. There's not a bird singing. There's, I mean, it's dead. Yes. Is there an elk out there screaming with that estrus or the selfish? No, no. They're, they're not no. doing a thing. So, yeah, I don't even want to blow a contact mute right, when it's like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I'm I'm like this with a loss a little lost cap call. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like covering you know, it up. Yeah, yeah I mean, hoping it comes out right. That's the thing. Is, so <laughs> having I think the breadth of the cow vocalization strategy and 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 cow calling, it allows you to tap into those really sensitive environmental days where you can't be saying a lot yeah if you say anything and yeah. it darn well had better not be aggressive yeah. it needs yeah. to be subtle it needs to be sweet and it yeah. can just be a couple of calls and then you just shut up for the next 45 minutes yeah. and let them sneak out and, and all you hear is a, a rock just you know just yeah. that you, i don't now we can talk about different bull vocalizations where, you know, whether we're talking huffs or moans or whine yeah. and, and those are right. legit and, and we could, oh. we, we could play with those. Totally. Raking still, a tree, raking a tree. There you go. Chris, I called a bull in one time 
pulling grass. You talking about stepping on wet grass made me remember this. I called in a big mature seven by eight one time in Arizona. It was one of those mornings that you're talking about where it was dead quiet, where I didn't, I just blowing a call felt wrong. And luckily I'm sneaking along and I happen to see this bull before he sees me. I sneak in close to him, probably get about 60, 70 yards from him. I sit down on my rear end. I get my camera. I had a, an XL1 at the time, one of those yep. pretty Canon cameras, you know, put it rested it's over probably, my knee. It's, it's probably the one I bought from you. you probably. probably yeah. the one you sold me. <laughs> yeah. So I start recording. And again, I had a diaphragm in my mouth, but it just felt wrong to do it in the moment. So I thought, you know what, with as quiet as it is, he can, he'll be able to hear this. I reach down with my left hand and I start just <laughs> pulling grass kind of mimicking what I would think an elk would sound like. And I'll be darned if he didn't pick his head up and come walking right over to 20 yards right in front of me. So he was, so he's beautiful footage of and I made no vocalization. I was going to say, he came charging in. He he came, (laughs) he came in looking for a fight. (laughs) No, (laughs) he he just came creeping over to see, you know, he thought, Hey, there's another elk there. There's another elk there. That's why I feel like, and 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 I would say probably something that I don't do enough is because I'm always thinking vocally. You know, what do I need to do vocally? I, I probably should rake more. That's something I should probably do. Guilty um, as charged. Yeah, yeah, guilty as charged. And quite honestly, and I and I don't know the man. I, I I do not know the man at all, other than his reputation for killing big bulls. But I, I probably ought to reach out to Dan Evans. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think does he call. Does, uh, I don't think he calls at all. Does he? I don't think he. I don't think he does. Some of the best callers that I know, Randy Ulmer. I have to say, this floored me one time. I saw him at the ISE show. We were judging an elk calling contest together. Imagine this: <laughs> Randy Ulmer, Chuck Adams, and me <laughs> judging an elk calling contest. I you know, still you talk say about you're the, like I still say, on the totem pole. I still and, say you're the most qualified one in there, though. And and Randy reaches out and he's like, oh, my hero. He says to me, I'm like, are you kidding me, Randy? You're my hero. But yeah, talk about a big elk slayer. And, you know, he's not a big caller. Not that he can't because I have heard him cow call. He's very good. Um, you know, Jay and I's friend, Dark Holburn, you know him. Um, he's a big elk slayer. He doesn't call a lot. Um, but when, when he does call, it's with purpose and he, he gets results with it. So, um, you know, it, it can definitely be overdone. I think you're better off using it in moderation and at the right times. Well, and and my point being is some of those guys, they, they've perfected a skill set that I'll probably be guilty of. Again, I'm like you, I like to call. Yeah. So that's where my mind defaults to. Yes. When sometimes I'll bet you if we were there with Dan or a Randy or anybody else, they'd be like, Shh, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Let's exactly. just, just, just go tick, 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 and just weasel yeah. our way in there. And there you go. There's you. So there's. Because you and I want to go down there and mix it up with them. We want to get in there and make something happen. I mean, we're intelligent about it. We're not yeah. foolhardy and crazy and reckless about it, but we have a, you know, a way of going about it, but we want to get in there and mix it up. I'm not a guy that in the mornings wants to be up on a high point, you know, behind my Zeiss binoculars. I, I'm just not that guy. Right. You agree. 
so so you I, you had to have heard this but no i i joke all the time with jay so that year i went down to help jay we're sitting and every everybody knows if anybody knows about nine they know about the dog knobs and so it you know you're yeah. down this pinion juniper country and all the there's these just geological formations out there that they're just high points so jay's like all right you climb up on that one with a you know spotting scope and then i'm gonna go over here on this one and we'll you know okay so here we are well, as it was this particular morning, it was an epic morning. And I mean, it is just on fire down below, down oh, in the timber. Oh, and oh, yes, no. yes. Oh, so no. I'm sitting there and, and it's far, you know, Steve, it's far enough away. It's it's not like it's right there at the bottom where you can just watch. Yeah. No, they're they're like out to where you right. can't see them. You know, yeah. It's just chaos. There's like 20, 30 bulls going nuts out there. And I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I got to go down the hill. Yeah. Jay's on the other hill. So we got the radio. Jay's on the other hill. And there's, I'm like, Jay, there's a, that one sounds awesome. He's like, yeah, I can't see him yet. I'm like, I know. So <laughs> he sounds let's, awesome. Let's just let's go, man. And, yeah. and I don't remember how long it was. I mean, Jay's like, no, no, no. We're just gonna sit here until we we're just gonna sit here until we see him. I'm like, Jay, let's just go down and weed through him. <laughs> yeah, just, let's just start going down and just look at him one at a time. You you know that's the best sounding bull out there, and all the chaos uh, is circling around or or focused around that. That's got to be the herd bull. He's yeah. got the biggest bull out there. So what are we doing digging around? Let's get yeah. him and go get him. Yep. Yeah. Because you're probably like me, Chris. I, I assess a bull a lot by how he sounds, by his aggressiveness, by the depth of how he ends his bugle. I, I, I'm guilty as charged as far as evaluating bulls by their sound. And I feel like it's not foolproof by any means because I called in probably a 260 bull a couple of years ago that sounded like a T-Rex. And I thought if there's any bull that I've heard on this entire hunt that I want to see, it's him. And I called him in and he was a, he was a 266 point that was just obviously hoarse from the rut. But I feel like if you, if you hone in and dial in on those more mature, heavy sounding bugles, you're going to have more encounters with more mature bulls on the average for sure, rather than chasing those, you know, lighter sounding wimpy. I always say, especially those two and a half year old bulls, they kind of have a Peter Brady teenagerish, voicey sounding bugle that you can really pick out pretty well. And, and, and so it, I don't want to. Yeah. Quite honestly, it might sound pretty and it, it might yeah. sound just really beautiful, but that's almost the point is it's too, it's too right. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I feel like the big bulls to me, they sound two ways. They either, <clears throat> they either have a really strong, shrill, high pitch that they hit right away. Um, you know, all this talk that we've heard over the years about, you know, start the bugle off with a growl and then go into this multi-note thing and end it with a growl. No, those big bulls, boom, they hit that high, shrill, strong pitch right off the bat. And then <clears throat> at the end, they sound like that, or they have that lip ball sound where they're well they're, they'll either just rah, the whole time or they'll start out with a real high pretty sound and dump it down into that lip yes. ball sound that yeah. to me is big bulls right there yeah all right so they, they have those so 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 two things number one that 260 bull that you called it yeah you can't tell me that wasn't fun 
Oh, it was great. <laughs> got great footage too. It's exactly and, so. Did you? Yeah, have and I'm client? still talking about it. Yeah. Did you have a client with you? Yes. yes. Oh, and, and, I, and, I bet you, and I bet you they were like, too. "That was awesome." Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> called in two bulls that morning, probably a three ten bull in that bull. It was a windy morning. It was really terrible as far as bugling activity. So we felt like we had done some good calling in two bulls that morning. One of which was him because we thought, "Man, if we can look at him the way he sounds," then we were laughing like, "Oh my goodness!" We had a bull that we called the. The, the eight bull that we'd called in a couple of evenings before, and he was probably a 330, 340 bull, and this bull sounded big to him. I, I, I even said, I still remember saying, this bull trumped the eight bull from two, two evenings ago. And it, but, and, it's, and it makes it worth it. I mean, it's still, it's yeah. still worth it. Oh, right. totally. So oh. now I'm gonna, I'm, I've got a question for you. <clears throat> you have two bulls on the landscape. You have a bull over here to a bull on your left that has that just he goes right straight to that big scream just like you were talking about just just high note just and then on the right you have a bull that all he does is a big deep lazy chuckle mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which one are you going after i'm probably i'm probably going to go after the chuckler knowing me <laughs> <laughs> I like I like chucklers. You like that. You like me. I like chucklers and I like bulls that sound weird. If they have a weird, unconventional sound, a lot of times that's an old bull. Uh, and yeah, those those get me. They drag me in. Yeah. This is why yeah. I love you, brother, man. I love you to death. <clears throat> we are yes, exactly. Exactly. People like you know, I I've Again, I, I'm I'm doing some other videos and and doing some podcasts for the Elk Module subscribers and stuff. And that, yeah, I will take a, a, a lazy chuckler every day of the week because yeah. most of the time that is going to be an an older dominant bull that he's he knows the game. He he's going to let everybody else just play all that riff just all that nonsense game. Uh, he's going to be just sitting up there. Where he's safe, secure, he's got his ladies, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's that guy. Right. Who's like, I'll let you guys do all the work, and then yeah, uh, totally. about thirty minutes after dark, I'm just going to come through and I'll just do what I want to do. Yeah, and take I, over. Yep, yeah. I will. I will go after that chuckle bowl. Yeah, but I don't have the energy to chase thirty cows around for days on end, screaming my head off. So, like you say, Chris, he's just going to sit up here and, <laughs> yeah. Just be the bad dude on the walk. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I've kept you longer, but talk. Okay. So I want, I want, I want to wrap, I want to wrap it up. Not that I want to wrap it up, but I know that you need to, need to go. So two things. Number one, I want people to understand that what you just said there and I, and people that have listened to me for a while and Jay know that, you know, chapel, you have your own signature series of calls Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls makes them, but you they can either get them through Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, but they can go to your website as well. Yes. And, and order yes. that stuff there. Again, um, kudos where kudos belongs. Primos, I think, really knocked it out of the park when they came up with that original Hyperlip hyper single uh, uh, Yeah, open read Mylar call. Design. Yeah. But you tweaked it, and I think you perfected it because 
I can take a, a hyperlip single and I can take one of yours. Yours do not gum up as much. Yours do not take as much lip pressure and you can be a little bit more sexy and, and light with it and, and engage it quick. You tweaked it. What did you do to tweak that call to, to, cause it it's, I, if, if someone does not have the ability to get yours and they just stumble, they're in Walmart or whatever, and they see a hyperlip yeah. single, buy the hyperlip single. Not bad. Oh, get, yeah, yeah. Get it, yeah. get it, because it's it, it's awesome. Uh, what did you do to yours that, that kind of bumped that up a little bit as far as quality? The first thing I'll say about these open read calls, Chris, is I feel like they need to have a flatter soundboard than most of them do. Most of them that I found that have a steeper angle, like if you can see a lot of gap between that mylar reed and the soundboard, they're going to have more of a thin one-dimensional, almost predator sound, if you will. But the, to me, the biggest thing is that they're one-dimensional. So I knew that I needed to start just by tinkering with various calls. And, you know, I was buying them all at the time. I really found and settled on the fact that you've got to have that flatter angle on the soundboard. And, and then next was... Um, you know, the the thickness and width of the Mylar reed. You know, we tinkered around with that to get it just right. And I was very picky, um, probably drove Rocky Jacobson pretty crazy a little bit because, you know, he would send me something as a prototype and I would blow it and say, this is okay, but it's not exactly right. what I'm looking for. And Chris, when I when I got what I wanted and I knew it, I knew right away when I blew it the first time that that was it, that that, that was money right there. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and I got to give I got to give Corey Rocky's son credit because he introduced me to his dad and kind of segued me into that relationship with Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. You know, Rocky since sold the company, but, um, you know, it was Corey who really introduced me to Rocky and got that going. And, um, you know, and, and I want to give Will Primos a lot of credit, too, because I feel like when I was still green and wet behind the ears, he gave me a chance. I look back and I think. My goodness, I was, you know, on the Truth 4 in the year 2000 and the Truth 5 in, in Montana with him on the CAA. He, he was the first archery hunter that had ever been there. And um, he could have had anybody there with him. And he, he picked me. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. I actually got an invitation the next year to come back and be one of the hunters. And I was so dumb, Chris, that I decided that I wanted to just really go full bore into what I was doing and my guiding and everything. And uh, I could have been hunting on the CA. You know what I mean? But real, real quick, I, I joke about this too. You know, you always hear people say, oh, no regrets. I, I have no regrets in my life. I have no regrets. You're full of crap or else yeah. you're not thinking very hard. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. some things that I look back, I'm like, ah, that would have yeah. been one of them. That would have yep. been one of them. But I, I, hey, I remember back in the day sending Will Primos a VHS tape of some of my elk footage and me calling some elk in and it probably sounded terrible. And gosh, ab about two weeks later, this package shows up at my house and it has all these calls in it and everything and a personal handwritten letter from him. I mean, that it gives me goosebumps thinking about it yes, right sir. now. And that's, that was the start of my journey really into serious elk calling and doing this for a living um, was right there. A guy like Will giving me a shot. You know what I mean? Uh, dude, yeah. I, the, the fact that some skinny, scrawny kid that just got out of military goes to the Denver ISE show. Go, yep. I've always, uh, growing up, I always watched, I was, I loved the Primos guys from my turkey hunting days. 
And then I, sh- I end up in Colorado out of the military, go to the Denver ISC show with, with my buddy who's who I elk hunt with. And here's these two just idiots behind this Primos booth. I think Jim Horn and a Steve Chapel. <laughs> was it me was i there yeah you yeah. You, you were that you were there and you were helping customers uh-huh and probably Jim, probably blowing a terminator yep so <laughs> which if i will say if blown right i don't mean that derogatorily because if you blow that call right which one in a thousand people can blow that call right you have one chris because there's a way to blow it yeah, there's a way to blow it, especially chuckling, especially so, chuckling. So I, I use a homemade, I, I it's a homebrew bugle. So I've yeah. got a really hard, good bell. I've yeah. got a, a pool hose that's cut to the length to, that allows it to give me just the right amount of back pressure on it. But dude, to this day, <laughs> to this day, I will still bring it because I can make this thing sing. Yeah. More importantly, what people don't realize is the opening, I can still run a mouth diaphragm through yeah. the mouthpiece. It builds yeah. the back pressure. Yeah. So now I have an external reed and a mouth diaphragm. I can sound like two vocal signatures. Uh, this thing, yeah. If Great point. Speak- Great point. I have to say, Chris, in 1997, I went to the SHOT Show in Las Vegas. And on my drive home, I had about a, I don't know, five or six hour drive home. And I thought, by golly, I th- that's that call should be able to chuckle like none other. And I thought I am going to learn to chuckle on that call on my drive home. And I probably hurt my hearing uh, chuckling inside the cab of my truck. But I'm telling you this, the next show that I went to um, probably the next spring, I'd had a lot of time to practice. And when I pulled that call out and chuckled on it, Jim Horn and Jeff Sherwood and I think it was Kenneth Lancaster. They all looked at me like, Oh my goodness. What the heck? Wow. Yeah. I still remember that. It meant so much to me to have those guys, you know, look at me well, like, wow. And exactly. So, I mean, here, we both cut our teeth. Will Primos set both of us on the path that we are on today. Yeah. Because yeah. Now, you, so, so did you just sent him a, a video of you, uh, your elk stuff. Did, did he ask you to do any other calling and that type of stuff as, as well? Or did you, he, you just sent him your elk stuff and he was like, you're on. Basically, um, I sent him that tape. He sent me the letter. I talked to him on the phone and he invited me to come up to Douglas Pass where they were hunting that fall. So I did. I drove up there and I met with with him, um, David Carden, who I feel like, my goodness, a great caller. He has a very in tune musical ear, if you will. He can duplicate sounds that he hears like none other. Um, So Will, David Carden and Jeff Sherwood, who was his producer at the time super cool guy um yeah i came walking in there and they were in their little cabins kind of making little fine tunings to their bows before the start of the hunt and i hung out with them for, for probably two or three hours and we just talked elk hunting elk calling um i got back home and probably for two weeks i didn't say anything and i can't remember if it was sherwood or will primos called me up and they're like dude are you gonna you going to do anything? Are you going to be a part of this? You know what I mean? I was like, what do you mean? Uh, can I? <laughs> can I? <laughs> I'm scared, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's so how it I, went down. I, so you, and this is, I don't even know if you and I have ever talked about this, but yeah. So you were getting ready to move to Arizona. Yeah. 
And so there was going to be a vacancy. They were trying. That's why Jim, part of the reason why Jim was at the show with you is because they were trying to find some other uh, guy in Colorado that could be a yeah, pro yeah. <laughs> some, some yahoo idiot. Some idiot. Some, some just <laughs> got that idiot. right. Got that right. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny, the funny part, you uh, and, and I know you're a man of faith, and and amen, bro. There's so many times where there is, I don't. There is divine intervention. I, I I am I am living in Northwest Kansas now because I was placed here, and we can talk about that later on. Oh, I mean, absolutely. There, there was there was way too many things that came that like roadblocks that shouldn't have been roadblocks that steered, I, like physically steered us here, and then yeah. boom, boom, it exploded. Yep, so, yep exactly. And, Your steps and, are ordered. Yeah, correct. And the Primos one, I, I'll never forget it. So Jim is sitting at you're off helping customers. Jim is standing there telling stories as Jim do. And <laughs> I'm listening to him talk about elk calling and he's coming from his perspective. Yeah. But he's talking about some of like the bugling stuff and all, you know, like that I'm going, ain't no way that works on public over the counter stuff here in Colorado, dude. Like, what are you doing, man? Like you're out to, and so the cocky Chris Rowe <laughs> is like, Dude, this guy's full of crap. Like, how did he, how is this guy on Primos? Cause I'm putting like Primos is like here. Like, yeah. And I'm like, what? The? So, Ryan, and it was Ryan Poole. I bought the, the truth video or whatever, got probably a couple mouth diaphragms or whatever. We literally were walking out of the show and I'm talking with Ryan. I'm like, dude, man, that's ridiculous. I'm like, hmm. I, I, you know, that's wrong because of this and this and that and this. And, 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 Ryan's like, <laughs> and, and, Ryan, and Ryan's like, why don't you do He's like, you ought to be on there. And I'm like, right. Yeah. I should be, I should be yeah. that guy. So the little voice, that little voice in your head, yeah. Yeah. Turn, turn around and go ask him. Yeah. No, no, no. And then, and then you rationalize, right. And you're like, Oh yeah. no, 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 no. I'll rationalize like 10 more steps. Turn around and go talk to him. Yeah. I mean, no, no, yeah. And then it, it was just clear as day. If you don't turn around and go talk to him, you will never, you will never let you, you'll never forgive yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the Lord whispering in your ear right there. I turned yeah. right around. I walked back up to the booth and I wasn't being a jerk at that. You know, I was like, I was like, so, and I was, I was just being a cop. I'm like, so how do you end up getting on the pro staff? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And, and, he and you were still over there because you're doing the work. Jim's over there. Jim sat and I will never forget his face. He just stopped. He just smiled. He looked over at you and they looked back at me. He was like, are you serious about being interested? I'm like, yeah. He's like, come here. And we went behind the booth and he he's like, here, here's what's going on. Nice. <clears throat> and he did. He's like, so why did you think? I'm like, well, you said this and this and I don't agree with that. And he's like, good. Because it wasn't right. He goes, I'm he goes, my job for here is to find someone because Steve's yeah. leaving. Yeah. Goes, if you want a shot, he goes, here's how you do it. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my God. You know, you're like, holy, yeah. I got a shot. You know, so it's so Real. yeah. Record yourself back in the day, it's VHS. Record yourself in three areas of calling. And it was supposed to be like a three minute video, like no more, just three okay. minutes, three areas of calling set, you know, introduce yourself. What have you done? What do you, you know, what are your accomplishments in hunting? Who are you a little bit? And then show 
that you can call in three areas of calling. Record yourself and then send that to Will. He gave me his card. He goes, send that in, address it to Will, and he'll yeah. evaluate it. He'll evaluate it. And if you if if he if he thinks that you've got what it takes, he'll 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 say you remember right you remember you remember those ISC shows were in January. Yeah. Yeah. It took me six months. This cocky kid that had all the answers, that had yeah. all the yeah, this is it's a different story when you have to sit down and record yourself and okay, hotshot. Yeah, step yeah. up, buddy. Step you do up. like a hundred takes. You do like a hundred takes. And you start <laughs> yeah. the camera and you just blank out, or you say a few words and blank out. I still do that, Chris. I still do that recording for my show. I still blank out all the time as I get older more often. I finally, I literally, I remember going up into the national forest west of Fort Collins because that's where I was living. And I just sat on a log and I was scared out of, I was nervous out of my mind. And I, I thought I got done and I'm like, well, that's the best I can do. And I was devastated. I'm like, Wow, man. And I, but I was like, and again, same thing, little voice, just send it. Yeah. Just send it. And I yeah. did, I sent it off and I, I sent it off and I'm like, well, Hey, you know what? I, I try, I did, it. I, I did it. That was a little victory for me that I, I got the courage to do it. And, and probably like you, the first time you phone rang and, and this is funny too, is we're talking about, this is 1999. Yeah, the phones actually were on the wall. Remember that? And then they had the big, yep. the big coily the, where <laughs> yeah. you could walk around the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, where, yeah. Well, the, the cable you could walk around the the house. Totally. With. Yeah. Phone rings. I answer it. Hello. And on the other end of the line, there is no voice like that. Oh, is this, yeah. Is, is That's what I was gonna say. No voice like Will Primos. Yeah. It, I, is this Chris Rowe? And I about just was like. <laughs> uh yes sir butterflies yeah. Yeah. oh my goodness and so, yeah i mean i was just floored he's like yeah we'd love to have you on and and, and you know i'm gonna send you this and that I, i'm just sitting there just dumbstruck awestruck yeah. and probably the same thing with you so he sends me the 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 package you know the catalog and he says okay go through the catalog mm. and let me know what you need are you freaking kidding me like the like so I, I I'm like flipping through. I'm like, well, I, probably, <laughs> I need it I, all. I, I probably I probably ought to have this box call. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, this this slate. Uh, let's see. Oh, this predator call. Um, uh, this bugle, and and maybe these these cow calls. I send it back in. He calls me up. He's like, I don't think you understood. He's yeah. like, what do you need? And I'm like, well, I, he's like, no, no, no. Remember, you're representing this company. I need you to be able to do everything that you can do. He goes, so what are you good at? I said, well, yeah. I'm at elk, you know, my predators. At that time, I was doing a little bit of waterfowl, but it was whitetail stuff. He's like, all right, then I'm just going to send you a box of, of I'm just going to send you a box of one of everything. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, you were, Chris. You were super well-rounded. I remember that about you. I mean, you you were. I'm so one-dimensional. I'm a one-trick pony. I'll admit it, man. 
No. Yeah, you he, were you were an asset he, to that. He sends he sends <laughs> like these two boxes that barely fit through the door, and it wasn't one. It was two of every call that they made. Wow. I'm sitting there like ah! Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> like, you you talk yeah. about a four year old in in Candyland. You know, <laughs> it's like uh. like oh my, but but that's where those things are instantly it changes because now you're that guy you're the guy that's standing on the stage giving the seminar i never think of myself that way by the way i don't think i ever will to be honest with you agreed agreed but you are though for the people that are in the seats they're looking up at you like okay this is the guy (laughs) you know and and yeah i can't live up to that Oh, and the, pr- the pressure was like, all right, well, I, I've got to step up. And and this and that's what really made me kind of really get serious about what I was doing and really kind of set that on the on the path. But, you know, yeah, yeah, I would say, Chris, I don't know if you agree with me, but I've told a couple of young guys who are hungry for, for it, hungry for like what we're doing. I say, be careful what you wish for, because I still absolutely love it. But I would say I'm not as ate up with it as I was when I sent Will that VHS tape. 100%. Now that it's become my living and how I pay my bills, it's different for me. Like you said, when we were just chatting before we kind of started this thing, killing an elk doesn't mean as much to me as it used to. I don't feel like killing is wrong in any sort of way. I'm no. just not as ate up with it. Right. I'm more about like we're talking about the calling game, the, the, you know, mastering that and beating them at their own ch- at the chess match out there in the woods. But it's, it's just a different feeling to me now. So I tell young sure. guys, be careful about what you wish for. And, you know, because it's different when you're doing it for a living than when you're just doing it for fun. 100%, man. Yeah. 100%. I remember, I mean, even my whitetail stuff now, I, I, I'm, so much more focused on I really love the habitat work and and growing critters and and watching them develop and all that and um but I remember the days when like I couldn't focus on work or whatever because I was tinkering with my bow and my arrows and my calls and my gear and 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 like like I was just like obsessed and and when it was time to head to to L camp yeah. I mean, it just, and, and now it it's, it's not the same and, yeah. and it's not that it's bad. It's yep. not the same. And, and yeah. right, like I said, in the beginning is it's the one. And I, I never, when Will told me that I'll never forget that day when Will's, I remember where I was in my house, looking in, I was standing in front of the dresser, looking in the mirror while I was talking on the phone. And when he said, it's the one thing that I can give up. I, yeah, I, I had, but now you understand. Now you kind of understand. I yeah. understand, and it, and I, it like, I understand at a visceral level now. It's like, no, I, why well, I get that. Man. I, I understand yeah. now. Yeah. It's, it's just weird. So I agree with you. Uh, it's it, just like anything else. My, you know, my brother from time, he's got a really good job, but it's one of those things where you're working for someone else. And every now and then he's like, man, I just wish I could, I could, I could just ditch this and I could just work for myself. And, but I'm like, you've yeah. got two young boys at home and you've got a really good nine to five. 
and you're home on weekends and you're home in the evenings. And when you leave work, you leave work. You start working for yourself. And especially if you're going to work for yourself in your hobby. Yep. You know, it never work, ends. It now never work, stops. Now yeah. you work 24-7. Now yeah. you work 24-7. And you feel guilty if you take 30 minutes to do something for yourself, to go yeah. shoot your bow. Maybe you're exhausted. If I'm exhausted, Chris, I'll admit this. If I lay down, my mind starts going, oh, my gosh, I should be doing this, 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 and this. And I get up and don't even rest. Um, but then on the other hand, I feel bad because I'm so blessed so incredibly blessed by the Lord to be able to do what I love and to make a living at it, that I should be so grateful for it. I should be more grateful than I am, you know, right? No, really. That's the perspective is that I'm not having to show up at a job Monday to Friday or whatever it is to get my two weeks or whatever it is vacation. Um, It's yeah. It's such a blessing, such a a, a dream life. Um, I, I just need to appreciate it more and step back and look at it big picture. You know? There's there's always going to be trade-offs. That's the thing. And, and you're absolutely right. I'm grateful every day that I get to do this for as long as I, I who knows how long I'm going to be able to, to keep doing what I'm doing. But, you know, I'm grateful. But there, it, there's it's always a world of trade-offs. And that's where you go is just, OK, do you enjoy this? You know, when you get to go recreate and when you get to go do your hobby and, and it's just it's just. It, it just elevates you and motivates you and invigorates you. Yeah. Don't squander the appreciation of that. Yes. Because th- I, I, I will say I miss those days. I yeah. miss those days when I was talking the week before opening week of Turkey season. And I just, I'm like, we're yeah. going. And I'd be like, you know, yeah. just a sit eight hour, you know, or 12 hours in a, in a ground blind to shoot a turkey in the face with a, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. And, and it was the greatest thing ever, you know? So yeah. I, you know, things change. I mean, it, there's, there's always a trade-off and, and yeah. Don't anyway, worry. I don't know how we got off on this topic. I apologize <laughs> if I pulled you this direction, but no, yeah, I, 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 I think it's getting more to the essence of, you know, who we both are. So um, I think it has value to people for young guys who are, you know, craving maybe yeah. do you living this lifestyle to, to, to think about it, you know? And, and it's yeah. the other thing too, is I don't know a single one of us that do this and make a lot of money. Right. It, it, it's, it, you're not, you're, you're not going to make a lot of money and quite honestly, yeah. a lot of costs. And obviously what's sitting on my, my trailer right now, it's just, there's, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. you're going to, you're going to spend some money on this and you're not going to make a lot of money, but you're going to have a rich life. So it's, again, it's just, what, what is your trade-off? Yeah. Completely. All right. Last question. Your TV show, man. How's oh, that? Yeah, going? Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah by the way. Oh no, no, yeah. no, 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 we can't. No, no, dang it. I, I gotta, I gotta come back. Is it, is it truly dead? Is it gone? Is it gone forever? The matriarch. Oh, my teeth. No. Oh, <laughs> oh, the matriarch. Yes, Chris. I think I it want is. to know. I want to know where you were going. Where, where, where did, where did your mind just go? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the matriarch. So we we had it. We had it on shelves for ten years, and it it wasn't it wasn't my decision. I will say. I mean, I don't want to act and shirk it off on someone else, but you know, better minds than me as far as marketing and sales and all of that. You know how it is, Chris. 
everybody wants the new call with the new sexy name and the new look and the new packaging. That's what everybody's looking for is that new call every year. And I will say that it's more about what a call sounds like and how it performs out there than what it's called and what it looks like. But unfortunately, you know, that became the, the case with the matriarch is it, it was just harder and harder for them to place in the in the mom and pop stores, the big box stores, because it wasn't the new call anymore. So, you know, very hard decision, but we just basically had to phase it out because of that. Um, I think it did have a unique sweetness to it with that wood barrel. Um, maybe someday we can bring it back in, in some form or fashion. Um, I really feel like the trophy wife is the closest thing to it. I feel like the trophy wife maybe has a little more pizzazz, maybe a little younger sound, hence the trophy wife name, <laughs> the younger sounding cow, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a little, a little so tighter. Anyway, yeah. yeah, I kind of hate that. And I do have people, people do send me emails quite often about where can I get the matriarch? Do you have any laying around? And I just Dude, don't. It's, it's the best mouth. It's the I, I, best open read style call that's ever been made. Steve. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I mean, seriously, I, I mean yeah. you guys, even if you double the price or tripled it, like do what Primos did with the heartbreaker, you know, sell the dang thing for 40 bucks or 50 bucks <laughs> or whatever, and make it a limited yeah. run. But it's that, that I, there is nothing like that mellow. It's just soft. It's smooth. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a mellowness to it that nothing else has. I agree. Um, we got to bring it back at some and, point. And, and and to your point, it's even bet all of them are, but th that one especially. What you said, thin, what thin gloves, whether it's thin cotton gloves or thin merino gloves, so, a thin cloth over that over your hand. You're again, you're yeah. you're using lip pressure, but you're you as you cup that thing and you you hold that thing. Dude, there's not that that is the best open read style call. And, and uh, to you for you know, everybody there, there's so many people on the market that make an open read style call with a skinny mylar yep. read. Skinny read with a with a steep soundboard angle. Yeah. And they now, all sound I thin mean, and one dimensional. Yeah. It, 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 there's some that sound better than others, but that's the thing is you're gonna now this is where from me, from a uh a, a vocalization type of deal. I talk about that bell-shaped curve of, of sounds where the vast majority of your elk are going to be under that the bulk part of that bell-shaped curve, but you're going to have some that are more bird-like, like the old, remember the Siri calls that had that real, yeah. real unique bird-like, or like the the Primos uh, uh, cowgirl, almost like a bird-like yeah. sound. Where, yeah, lead cow and calf, the lead cow and calf go. as well. Yeah, same. Yeah. Now, it's not that it's not realistic. It just, it it's just what, maybe a smaller segment of the population of elk are going to sound like like you're going to have those deeper sounding cows and, and more raspy or whatever so it all depends on where it fits on that bell-shaped curve yeah i feel for me i've always felt that i have more control and i can be well there you go now i, I have more control over a wide mylar reed than i do the skinny or the tapered and yeah, it, it just no. The 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 matriarch needs to come back in in some way, shape, or even if you just do a limited run, where every year that you say we have fifty, and that once they're gone, they're gone. Okay, you know? brother, I'll put a word in. I'll say you you said so. Um, we're working on some new diaphragms for next year. So uh, nice. Jay knows a little bit about that. 
Um, yeah, Jay's going to have a little input with that. Nice. Um, I think you'll like them. Um, and then, yeah, let's go to work on a new open read. Well, <laughs> it's based on that matriarch. And and then I've <clears> asked you, and I don't know if you ever want to, I would love to see what you can do with a hyperlip double style. Yeah. Because I, I I use that double with the tone converter. That is, that's my go-to for the, if you want to do an, yeah. a, a mature sound, a, a mature assembly mu, there's no other call on the market yeah. right now. Totally. Then the hyperlip double with that tone converter. But yeah. then I would love to see a Steve Chapel influenced read soundboard and see what that, what you, okay. I'd love you to play. Good, with good idea, Chris. Good idea. Cause yeah, I think that hyperlip double does have an authentic sound. I always said it sounds uh, husky and three dimensional. Right. It right. It does sound like a mature husky. Yes. Yep. Big cow. Yeah. And that's the thing is you, you'll hear, and Jay talks about this all the time. And, and this is true. Again, we go back to that bell shaped curve. You hear that nasal, everybody talks about that nasally sound of a cow. Yeah. But you also know that a cow, she can vocalize one of two ways. She can open her mouth and she can send that sound out. Yeah. Or she'll close her mouth and she sends all that sound through her nasal. Yes. And if you watch them, they'll, when they do it, they'll close down their nasal, they'll close yep. down their nostrils and they'll, yep. they'll manipulate their nose. Yeah. That takes that nasally sound out and it becomes this smooth, deeper tone to where that yeah. double is just so if you had the ability to have those both again i i love the i will i love the primos hyperlip double but you provided a value added next step up in your design on that hyperlip single i would really love to see what you could do with that double because okay. in, the, in, in the past one of the criticisms of the double was if you tried to use it without the tone converter trying to run both. Yes. Trying to run both of those heavy reads. It seemed like yeah. you just if you didn't get it just right, you had to put a lot of air through it. Yeah, you're you right. Put the, you put the tone converter on it. Now you build back pressure. Now that read breaks a little easier so you can get a little subtler, but yeah. you can't be smooth and medium. It was like either you're loud or you're soft. Yeah. I would love to see what you can get to fit just to fill in that gap in there to where you could just. So there, there's your homework. Good. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Teacher, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go about it. And I'll see what I can come up with. All right. <laughs> so your TV show, I want to know yeah. how, how many seasons are we into now? Yeah. We're um, in the, almost in the middle of uh, season five. So it airs called Elk Camp, by the way. It airs third and fourth quarter of each year. So it starts up in late June and runs through December. Um, so we'll be filming for season six this coming fall. It's airing on Sportsman Channel. I was on Monday nights, but I'm now on Thursday nights um, at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. So that'd be 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Um you know, by and large, is still being very well received. Um, it's the only elk-only, elk-focused show on the network, so I've got an advantage there. I was actually shocked when I saw they, they had put together a promo for my show, Chris, and nice. uh, I see it on social media first, and then I, I see it on TV, and I'm like, wow, you know, that's nice. for elk camp right there. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just miraculous to think back to um, – you know, how long and how long of a road 
and a process it was to get to this point. As you know, um, you know, v, it went VHS, DVDs, then it went digital. I had to make that decision whether to jump off the cliff or not and uh, go into TV. And initially, I didn't think it was going to work out, but God just worked the pieces of the puzzle together that weren't there for me at the time and um, put everything together. A guy named Steve West, who has a long running show on outdoor television, helped me with that first year and, um, you know, taught me a lot through that first season. And, and I've been able to run with it since then. He even came up with the name Elk Camp. Um, so just just very thankful and blessed for all, for all of it and uh, just feel really, really fortunate to be able to do it. Yeah, dude, man. I, yeah, uh, you, I don't know other than Primos. <clears throat> I don't know of too many people that have had the, the longest, this long of a run videoing elk hunts, especially videoing calling again, you're talking about calling. It's it's very calling forward or centric on that to where absolutely you started videoing your hunts. Like what? I mean, I think I bought that XLR that that one camera from you back what or two thousand? Probably one. Probably probably right in there. Yeah. You know, you were you were back at the <clears throat> filming back in the day, and you have not stopped. I mean, you've really you've been. You've been, you're one of the OGs on elk videos, oh. man. And people, oh, don't man. Even, people don't even know that. I mean, oh, here's, man. Here's, here's, <laughs> so here's a question for you. So it's on Sportsman, but is there a way that for those people that don't have TV, how, how can yes. we watch your stuff if we don't have Sportsman channel? Glad you asked, Chris. So first, if they want to watch it digitally, they can they can um, view it on My Outdoor TV. It's an app that I believe is like $9 a month. I mean, it's super inexpensive. And there's not just Elk Camp. There's hundreds of quality shows that they can watch. So MOTV.com or MyOutdoorTV.com. Um, after two years after I air episodes on television, um, they have ex exclusivity for two years. I'm able to put them out on YouTube. So there are some, oh. you know, episodes from season one, two, three on YouTube right now, if they just search elk camp. And by the way, I've changed my guide service name to elk camp guide service just to reflect the whole oh, elk no. camp theme. Um, but yeah, people can watch it digitally now on YouTube or my outdoor TV. Yes. And, and, and the YouTube videos are the actual uh, yes, there, it's, it, there's it's yes, perfect. perfect. There are the actual episodes. They've even got the billboard ads for the sponsors. So if you're watching one of those episodes and you say it's see it's sponsored by Pergara Rifles and you know Zeiss Optics, that's what that's about. Basically, the first billboard ad segues into a commercial break, and then when you come off commercial break on television, that's where that next billboard ad is. So it may seem weird when you're watching it on YouTube, but that's. That's yeah, why no. the hardest part doing this, Chris, is is um, editing to where you have four somewhat equal segments because these episodes are divided up into four segments because you have three commercial breaks sandwiched in there. So you have to make your breaks make sense, if you know what I'm saying. And they have to either come out to exactly 22 minutes to the frame to leave eight minutes of commercial time. Or you can have it less than 22 minutes, but it's got to be on five minute or five second increments. And like it can't be shorter than 20 minutes, but it's got to be 
to the frame. Um, and, and initially I thought they had to be 22 minutes period. So my first like three seasons, all of my episodes are exactly 22 minutes and that's challenging. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, especially when you, it, but that's what people don't realize. You've got hours, minutes, seconds, and frames. Yeah. And you can get it edited and get it all done. And then you render it. And then you realize it's, it's, it's 22 minutes, zero, 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 zero. And, and like one, and that's why I mean I just have to get down to it on these episodes I can't show a, a ton of the process I know on on a lot of these popular YouTube channels and nothing against them they they're able to show a lot more because they're not up against time limits like that but I just have to get down to business if you know what I'm saying and okay just, just show the nuts and bolts of it if you will all right mm -hmm. well so that brings me to two things. I think you just alluded to one. Are you doing your own editing? Yes, sir. No. Oh my that's gosh. a that's a that's a full time job in and of itself, and it drives you crazy. I would kind of equate it to maybe being a, a musician, and you just can't let it go because if you're a perfectionist like I am, you look at I start looking at things going. The average viewer, or any viewer, is not even going to know these things that are bugging me about this right. and it drives me crazy. It's a love hate relationship. I'll tell you that Chris, well, definitely. Especially, especially if you're trying to see it's okay. My second segue was, you know, do you see yourself maybe providing more of a long form, uh, 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 uh resource so you could share more because there's no way. I mean, this is the thing you, you go on a hunt and that hunt lasts several days. Yeah. You're you're taking all of the stuff that happens on those multiple days, and you might have a hellacious bunch of video footage. Yeah, most of that is never going to see the light of day. Yeah, you have to just show the best of the best with the best bulls, typically. And, yeah, and, and, yeah, and that's the thing with TV is it really needs to be this. There's got to be a story, and there's got to be something that's going to draw the viewer, and it's got to be where maybe on a long form format you might be able to share more of, of who, you know, like just here's more, you know what I mean? Like a yeah. deeper experience. Have, yeah. have you entertained anything think, like that? I yet? don't think I'm that guy, to be honest with you. I think there's guys that are more talented at showing that. And I, I know my limitations. I always say, I'm going to run my race that God gave me. I'm going to stay in my lane. I feel like he gave me that lane that I'm running in and I'm going to stick to it right now. Um, because I, I feel like there's other guys like Corey, Dirk, you, who are, are definitely more talented at showing the big, big picture. And, uh, you know, the, the, like you with the, the more of the scientific approach, you know what I'm saying? The biological uh, side of things. Um, so I'm not going to try to step on anyone else. I'm going to, I'm going to stay in my lane, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's, hey, that's fair enough, man. Cause you're doing, I mean, you're doing well and the show is, is quality. So, I mean, again, yeah, Primos is still doing theirs, but I mean, that there's a there's a there's a massive engine when you look at what they're doing, and yeah, I look yeah. at you, and in you're still the same old Steve Chapel that I knew from back in the day, and I mean you're a Thanks, one man, man you're a one man band just flailing away, and and it and you're and you're making some great music, man. I mean, Thanks, it, brother. It, 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 some good videographers with me, I will say. Some absolutely phenomenal videographers who are behind the scenes somewhat, but that, you know, go with me every year and uh, couldn't do it with 
without them or my guide team. I'll say that. Yeah. Yep. Are, are the videographers, are they part of your crew or are they part of uh, the, the TV side? Is that some, is that like a third party group? Uh, no, they're, they're my guys. The first season when Steve West produced my show, um, I had his videographers with me, but after that um, I've had my own guys since then. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So the, the nice part about that is they, you get to learn them and they get to learn you. And so they know when you're moving, how you're going to move. And you yep. know that when you move, they're moving and you know how they're going to move and and you guys are in sync and not screwing each other up. Yeah, absolutely. And on the same hand, they, they, they know what call I'm going to blow next typically. You know what I mean? Okay. He's going to try this then he's going to blow this cow call. If it doesn't answer, he's going to blow this bugle. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. and, the, and the funny part of it, this again, I know I could keep you forever, but you know, what you just said there is I've, I've been criticized um, on some of my stuff where people come back and they're like, dude, yeah, I mean, you're, you know, I like your stuff, but you know, there, a lot of the, what you talk about is the same stuff. You're, you're using the same like calling sequences. You're, you're using the same strategies like every time. Like, so it's, it's like really redundant. I'm like, well, because it works. <laughs> it's not broken. Well, number, don't fix it. Number one, how many words are, are, are elk actually using? Okay. So let's, let's just frame that. And then yeah. like, did I just call the bull into like seven steps? Like, like what was I supposed to do? Did, I didn't make him skip. He only walked. I'm like, ah, dang it. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris, that reminds me and, I, and, and I'll stop talking because I'm keeping you too. But I oh, had a I guy write me a super nasty message. And he said, I hadn't watched your stuff for a long time, but I, I watched the other day and he goes, it was the same old Steve Chapel. Oh, Bull comes in, not big enough. So we go call in another one. Oh, limbs in the way. Oh, we, we get down to day 10. It's the last day. Always got to build it up to the last day. You know what I mean? And, oh, you finally get one on the last day or whatever. Same old Steve Chapel, same old tune, same old, you know what I mean? And it was just so nasty. And and the thing of it was, is he was, he was alluding to a season one episode, my premiere episode, it was the one he he watched that he was ripping on me about. I'm like, dude, at least be accurate. It wasn't it wasn't even a current episode, and and to be honest, it was probably the best one ever. You know, but <laughs> and, and yeah, uh, and, and like that. What? Okay, so where's what? How is what that part unrealistic? Of how is what that part of seeing what part of seeing eight bulls come into archery range on a 22 minute episode wasn't entertaining to you? You know what I mean? Would you and rather number, see nothing? Nothing and, happened. And how about and how about this? I want you to count on all hands and toes if you need them. The times that you've had a hunt where you've called in that many bulls. Yeah. And Amen. And you go onto their YouTube channel and they don't have a single video. You're like. <laughs> Come on. No, there's anyway. There's so I shouldn't. I no. I shouldn't no, have gone and, there. And that's the thing is, and this is part of where I'm going with some of my stuff because that I get hammered. And listen, I'm guilty. I I've got way too many irons in the fire, and some of those irons are mutually exclusive. I I can't. And so I know that these past couple years that I've been out here, especially these past several, where I've really gone all in on my whitetail and turkey stuff. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it's probably not going to work out just because of different stuff environmentally, but I, I really put 
a lot of effort and I let some of the elk stuff go for a while. And I know that I lost momentum on that and I'll, I'll own it. But, you know, people are always, you know, like, well, where's the new stuff? Where's the new stuff? Where's the new stuff? Where's the new stuff? It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> if you want new videos of me calling elk in, hey, I, I understand that that's awesome and that's entertaining and that's fun. And I, I miss being able to do that. Again, <laughs> I'm going to have to really struggle not to. I, I'm, we, yes, you are. <laughs> I, I might have to pick up the phone and be like, Steve, where are you? Um, yeah. I'm coming but, down. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, earth shattering, like paradigm shifting, you know, principles and stuff, I'm like, yeah, you've I, been there. Yeah. Covered it. There's, there's a lot of people out there and, 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 and it just social media. I think it, I don't think social media created this. I think social media exacerbates it. Not only does everybody want to be entertained. But there's so many people out there that want to be, make their mark, be yeah. someone in the the, the public sphere. That yeah. they're just cranking content just to crank content. And yes, there's something always just battering your eye. But for and maybe it's, you know, I'm 50 now. And so maybe it's me being an old crotchety man or whatever. I don't know. But when you I look see, good, brother. You look good. <laughs> you you realize that I'm, I'm like I'm like hide I'm like hiding the rest of me behind the screen. <laughs> oh, you look you look good, man. <laughs> there, there's so much content being thrown. It's it's fun and entertaining to watch, but is it content that's moving the needle? And and right. this is where I have this is where I, I I try to explain to some people that. I'm not an entertainment guy per se. I, right. I love having fun. I, I will. I love having fun. I love joking around. I love just shenanigans. I love comedy laughing, but I've always been in the educational sphere. So everything that I do is going to come from that perspective, largely to yeah. where yeah. if I'm going to bring something to you, then I'm going to have to like, in my soul intrinsically believe it has value that's worth your time. Yeah. Yeah. And to where it's so important me just, just cranking content, just crank, just to put stuff out there. I'm like, I know I, I'm, I'm like, I'm missing the boat. Smart. You're smart though. Quality over quantity, man. You're smart. It's, it's, it's a hard line to, 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 it's a hard line to, 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 to tightrope on. And like you're like your fan there that, that wanted you're not gonna please everybody, but I would like to be able to bring along as many people as possible. But those people that are gonna walk this walk with me are by default probably going to have a similar value set, a similar mindset, maybe even a similar personality and framework that they base their stuff off to where. Yeah. You know, there's an old adage that said, you know, when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Uh -huh. and, and I think that's what's going to have to be for some people. I, you know, I, I apologize to some of them. I'm like, yeah, I know I haven't put a lot of new stuff on there, but the stuff that I have on there is relevant. <laughs> like, do, do you have that? Like, do have you mastered it? Have you like internalized it to where you understand it to where i could literally see you on the trail and like just rapid fire give you a quiz 
Yeah. And you understand it. If the He's, answer is if the answer is no, there's still stuff there for you to glean. And it's it's the yeah. same thing with your show. If people you're gonna have people that want to watch it for the entertainment value, and that's awesome. But if people take a moment, go back to the old stuff, watch what you're doing, and start critically picking it apart. Why is Steve calling like this? Well, isn't that the same way he called this last time and that other time? And he did the same thing here and he did that here and this bull and that bull. And he worked his setup this way. And he did it. Start looking at it from a standpoint. I'm going to mop flying around. <laughs> Buzzing you. Yeah. In, incoming. <laughs> start looking at it from a standpoint of, okay, it was entertaining. I loved the entertainment value of it. Play it again. And this time, start picking it apart and going, okay, what can I learn from it? Because yeah, the amount that's of what I did. Yep, back in the day, that's what I did, Chris, when I yes. watched the primos. They were the masters at videoing, videoing elk hunts with that three-man setup, hunter, videographer, caller back behind. Yep. In my mind, they were the first ones that did that yep. and, and yep. did it very well. I yeah. mean, we, we can go back to the original VHS ones of, of John McClendon, but mm – -hmm. And he was, it was, they were phenomenal, but they, they did not have the same cinematography, the, the same like over the shoulder, like, but I mean, it, it was a different feel. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you. Primos is the one that they set the bar for this is how you show it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You might be able to pick apart or criticize the calling at times, but as far as showing it in, amazing beauty and clarity and and just right up in your face yeah they they, they set the bar absolutely well yeah. dude you you've maintained it my friend and you've done it well for a many many years i'm i'm so happy to hear that the tv show is still doing well i mean I, that's the and see that's the other thing too with the t you can have a youtube channel and you mm -hmm. can have five views per video and it's still a youtube channel you cannot have a tv show if you're no. if you're not pulling viewers right so yeah. kudos to you that so how many seasons i, I know you answered how many seasons are we yeah in? we're in five right now number five yeah. that's awesome man that's awesome yeah i can't it's a blur i, I look back just feel so fortunate so when it, Thanks. Okay, so you're headed to, you're headed to 23 yes for the archery and then i'm going to go to nine for the early rifle so i am going to be back in nine for the rifle gotcha yeah. so you're gonna be there the later part of the month Yes. So I'll split my time between those two units. When do you leave? When, when do you, when you're, when are you going to have boots on the ground in 23? When do you September, September 1st is the plan. So here pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You better start packing Fred. Yeah. That's why I'm freaking out thinking about all these things I got to do before I leave. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I cannot hmm. tell you how uh, appreciative I'm a, I am that you've, one of those things that you wanted to do was spend some time with me. You, we talked earlier. You said you wanted to keep it at an hour, and we are at two and a half hours. <laughs> oh gosh, sorry, people, sorry, listeners, sorry. No, that, that hey, you're on Chris Rose's side. I'm long winded, and that that's baked into the cake. And and I, I yeah, just, but I just, all I wanted world. to do was was I was going to ask questions, and if I if you were still engaged, I was going to keep asking questions until you cut me off, but. Hey, you 
you need to get going. I know I've kept you a hell of a lot longer than what we what we said. I appreciate every moment. I I wish you all the best this fall, uh, especially in that and all your hunters. Do you know how many hunters are you going to be having across your guides and everything? How many hunters do you have this year? We have um, right at about eighteen right now. Yeah, still getting some last minute bookings. By the way, not archery hunters, but across the board, that's archery yeah, yeah, yeah. rifle labor. Yeah. So we're not an outfit that's guiding a hundred people, you know, we're giving this year, 18 people, a very personalized experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, um, no hunt fees. Yeah. Zero hunt fees. Yeah. Oh, zero, zero, okay, um, zero hunt fees. Yeah. About half of those are zero hunt fees members. In fact, the guy that I'm guiding on the 23 North hunt is a zero hunt fees member, by the way, a first year member. So he drew on the very first year he was a member so his elk hunt is $349. Dude, okay. All right. <laughs> and All right. I love it. I love it for this guy. Then, then yeah. you know, okay. That's how, that's how we're going to close this thing out. Give it, let everybody know what that is because it's, it's, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Very simply, Chris, zero hunt fees is simply if a person wants to join it, it's $349 a year, no maximum or minimum amount a year. So you can opt out anytime. So this hunter, Chris, who I'm with in 23, he could opt out after this year if he wants to, or he could stay in and continue to apply and hope he draws again. So very simply $349 a year, it covers the cost of your guided elk hunt. If you draw a tag, I mean, you could, you could equate it to car insurance. Um, it's guided hunt insurance is basically what it is for. So for people who, you know, think that a six to eight to $10,000 elk hunt is out of the realm of possibilities for them. This makes it very possible. I, I say it's not for everyone. If someone can come up with that kind of money and it's not a stretch for them, um, then maybe they just consider going the standard way, which we offer hunts that way as well. Um, but I definitely, I, it kind of bothers me when people say it's gimmicky or it's a scam or something like that. It's not at all. Um, very simply, it's guided hunt insurance and you're making, you know, a, a very cognitive decision on whether or not you decide to do it because you could not otherwise afford a guided hunt. And let's be honest, not everybody's um, attention and skill set is, is toward being an elk expert. There's people who just don't have the time for it with their careers and everything and having a guide or someone to call for them is very valuable to them. And, you know, I don't, I don't knock the person who hires a guide because I am one. Right. Um, so yeah, that's zero hunt fees in a nutshell. Um, your listeners could go on to zero to read all about it and see if it makes sense for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is if you think about if let's just say, so what is it taking these days for a non-resident to draw an archery unit nine tag? Is it about 20? Yeah, here's the thing. It's going to take them if they're unlucky and they draw in the bonus point phase of the draw. It's going to definitely take 20 plus, probably 23 or more. But what they have to realize, and here's what makes zero hunt fees make sense, is that half of the non-resident tags for each hunt are in the random part of the draw. That's so right. So on those nine, on the nine archery hunt, there's five tags in the in the random part of the draw available to non-residents. On the unit one hunt, which is a great archery hunt, there's 13 random tags available. So every single hunt's got random tags available. It's a Arizona's draw is a perfect 50-50 hybrid draw. It's got that perfect element of fairness, perfect element of randomness to keep you excited, knowing you have the potential to draw in a year. If it didn't have that random element, zero humpies wouldn't make sense and I wouldn't do it. 
but here's but here's the thing that people don't understand or not thinking about let's say you applied for 20 years yeah yeah okay and you invested for 20 years you invested 350 bucks a year yeah that break even yeah break even at today's prices today's guy price bingo So in other words, if you spent, if you just set aside $350 a year for now and you, and you went all 20 years and you drew that tag and you wanted to hire Steve Chapel to have you guide him on the full hunt, yeah. that, that's even, that's even, che- I think that's even cheaper. Th- that's still cheaper than what some guys are charging for the hunt. Yes, okay? absolutely. So, so let's just say you, you, all you're doing is paying fair market value, but here's yeah. the thing. What if you draw on year five? You're, yeah, you're it's way still ahead. paid for. Yeah, you're way ahead. Exactly. So you, you, it, I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. You know, I mean, like, like I, I'm, I'm not. Everybody love, you know, in the free market capitalist society, consumers love competition. Yeah, business owners hate competition (laughs) so i don't understand why like all of the guides and outfitters down there aren't doing this yeah i i I don't really either um i mean you can definitely get burned i mean you you are in essence giving a six eight thousand dollar hunt away for a very low cost and if i'm not guiding a hunt and my guides are guiding it i should say this i pay them the same as if they're guiding a full price hunt because right. that's fair to the guy. Right. I want his motivation level to be the same. Right. So very simply, I, I think for most people, $349 in a full year is very easy to stomach. I mean, let's admit it. We waste more money in in a quarter frivolously than, than that yearly membership cost. So if elk hunting is important to you, I say Arizona is a must apply for state. Uh, and if you have any desire at all to you know, hunt with a guide and someone with, with experience there that uh, you ought to take a close look at it and, at zero and he, Okay. Yeah. And, and I know that you would not do this, but I can because I've seen, I've been on both sides of the equation down there and I've worked with and around a bunch of different folks. There are some outfitters down there that have a very good, I mean, they, they kill big bulls every year. Um, but my opinion and my opinion has been shaped by the feedback I've gotten from other people is some of these outfits, you end up feeling like a number you, you, you're, you, you, everybody's going to go sit water and you it might as well just draw a name out of a hat, which, which tank you're going to go sit at. And it's just at some, and, and it really, and I'm not saying this is what it is, but the, the, the impression comes off as the outfitter is looking at, we will, the outfitter is going to kill a couple of really good bulls this year. And we're going to have 50 people in camp. Right. They don't care. They don't care which hunter ends up killing the good bulls. They just know it's the odds are they're going to kill a couple. And so for the outfitter, it looks great for the outfitter. The the outfitter killed a couple good bulls Yeah, on social media. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're the hunter that just, just dropped eight to 10 grand and there's you come away there, empty. Yeah. You come uh-huh. away you come away empty number 1, but you come away empty and you sat water tanks 
every day mm. and you didn't get to go chase bugles really. And it, 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 it really sours some people on the experience where yeah. what you're talking about is you're talking about 350 bucks a year. If you draw it on the normal cycle, you're paying fair market value for the guided hunt. But if you draw it early, you get it a hell of a lot cheaper, but you're talking about a calling hunt. Yeah. Now, I'm, right. sure that, I'm sure there may be some afternoons or whatever that you like, okay, the play, and I've done it. Uh, my one of my guys was like i want to kill a 380 plus bull i'm like okay yeah. well that year sometimes you have to sometimes that, you have that's to it. if yeah. that's what you want in this with this particular year talk with mcclendon's and um uh, uh no i i just i goodness gracious i just blanked it another outfitter there yes <laughs> um oh it's driving me nuts now it'll come um they with their camera surveys they had I don't know how many pictures, but 380 and above <laughs> was 0.8% of the population yeah. of bulls. A needle and, in a haystack. And and yeah. those bulls were living on these certain grouping of tanks. And so it was everybody and their brother's uncle was piling into those tanks. And we finally, all of a sudden, one day, the ground blind on one of the premium tanks was, was pulled. And I'm like, Holy, we're there. We're, and I, I told my guy, I said, we're going to rot in this thing. I said, we were yeah. getting up at three o'clock in the morning and getting in the blind at three 30 in the morning. My guy's like, are you crazy? I'm like, no, because literally I would drop him off. And here comes the truck. Here comes another truck down the hill. And they're like, God, God, we, yeah. we were beating them too. I'm like, this is what we have to do. And, and I think we, we lasted three, three days there. And he's like, no, I, this is not what I want. I, I want to go. I'm like, okay. But understand, <laughs> for what you originally wanted, this is what we need to do. Now, if you want to go chase some 350 bulls or or maybe try yeah. – we got on about a 360 bull, and it just didn't work out. He it made a bad shot, and it just it, – it, it happens. But Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. But, I mean, so with a Steve Chappell-style hunt, this is what – this is, again, this is why I love you. It's a calling hunt. Like, I mean, if there is an opportunity to call – there will be calling. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, definitely. If, if, I always say it's not about so much that it got done, but how it got done. You know, I always catch myself on video. I'm always like saying stuff like, just the way we called that thing in, man, it was so awesome. You know, it, it's all <laughs> it's all about how you did it, not that yeah. you just killed an elk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Beat him at his game on his turf, you, you fooled him, you duped right. him. Right. Yeah. And you made him go from there to right here yeah right, right, right where you are right in front of that archery hunter yep now i i i there's a there's at least another outfit that does it um and i i don't understand why more more outfitters aren't doing it because it's it just from a consumer standpoint it is a flat out no-brainer yeah it it's a big commitment no it's a big commitment and um administratively it's hard to run too yep i'll tell you what it's more than you would think yeah. Well, I bet. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, yeah. You're. you're there's logistics and keeping track of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, brother. I'm gonna cut you loose. Thank you. I, Thank I, you, Chris. I appreciate it. It's been a fun conversation. It's been awesome, man. You 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 drug me in, man. It was awesome. <laughs> I really appreciate it. This well, is our the, first the, podcast together, but not our last. By the way, I want to say thank you for your service. I've never said that before to you, so I want to oh. say take the time right now. Nah, appreciate no, you brother no worries you're a, man. you're a patriot man you're a uh, patriot 
I, all I wish is we just had some more people, uh, younger people that kind of felt that way. But, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see how things go. But no, it's been fun. You. Yeah, it's been fun. I thank you for being a friend for all these years. I wish you absolutely good luck this season. And I, I can't wait to catch up with you. But no, um, this will not be the last. So we, we might have to schedule one after the, after the season and compare some notes. And, okay. Lord Sounds will, good. Lord will, and 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 things align. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you'll see a random Kansas plate come rolling through camp this year. I don't know. Got it. I was gonna say, you get lunch and come on down. <laughs> done come and done, down. my friend. Send me a text, okay? Steve, thank you. God bless. Thank you, Chris. God bless. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.